when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, February 4th, 2019, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 218. Yeah. I'm all thrown off now because lore reasons. Have we ever delivered that with confidence? Ever? Ever's a long time. Have we recently One, delivered er, that yeah, with early, three? Yeah, early, like the first, first couple of months, sure. Yeah. 15? <laughs> yeah, probably. Two years ago? 200? I don't remember what 200 years ago. Was. Wow, we've been 200 years a long ago. Time. Wow. Uh-huh. We've been podcasting a long time. We are live and can, we're not live. We're recording. <laughs> we're, we are alive. As much as life is uh, is live. Yeah. And what is a lot? What is life anyway? In control room B, I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today, Rob Zachney. In the long run, we're all dead. It's true. In a long enough timeline, it's, we're all dying, Melissa. Uh, Patrick Klepek. Patiently waiting for my Tuesday order of the happening on Blu-ray to show up. We, you, the happening, the happening. I just want to get this out of the way because I just need to. Mm-hmm. So a friend uh, on Friday night, uh, a yeah. friend of mine, big M Night fan, and so like I told him, oh, I was you know we were watching some of these movies for this podcast. Like I saw, I saw Glass, but like I don't think you should see it in the theater. Like I know you're a big fan, but like unless you really want to go out of your way, I don't think it's. You could probably just wait. Uh, he's like, all right, well. Like, have you seen all those movies? I was like, well, I haven't seen The Happening. I've been threatening to do it for years. Do you want to just come over and watch The Happening? He was like, yeah, sure. I was like, okay, fine. He has seen The Happening. He has seen it. And he he ranked it. um, uh, I'm not going to pull it. He ranked it as his sixth best movie. (laughs) Because he ranks them all as best. I really need to to know that list, honestly. In like the Shyamalan canon, or yeah, 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 yeah. In all in Shyam- movies. Out- no, no, no. In the, in the Shyamalan, in the Shyamalan canon. I'm trying to see. Oh, because I asked him specifically about uh, where it ranked against Lady in the Water. Um, better or worse than Lady in the Water? Worse. Which arguable depends on how you're approaching this film. So uh, he comes over uh, after my daughter's in bed, like nine nine thirty, and he had to work that day, and he works like uh, a job where he's up at like four in the morning. So it's like a crapshoot if he comes over, if he's going to make yeah. it through the first 20 minutes of a movie. <laughs> Most of the time he doesn't. <laughs> Five minutes into the happening, out. And my <laughs> wife had already pulled the ripcord because she had to go and do some work that day too. So I find myself sitting on the couch watching the happening by myself. I have this well, the sleeping, sleeping man. <laughs> sleeping man on my couch. Who I at one point went, are you going to watch this? And he said no. And then just <laughs> continued to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I text my wife. I'm like, do you want to come down? She's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, all right, well, strap Buckle in. in. The Happening is one of my favorite films I have seen in a long time. This movie, wow. this movie is such a ride. 
It is so tonally all over the place. If you look at it as a Twilight Zone episode, it makes a lot more sense. If you read the quotes from Shyamalan in which he says, I tried to make the ultimate B-movie, this movie makes a lot more sense. Nothing about the film communicates that. The first five minutes are just scary, uh, cl just clouds. Just fo stock footage of clouds with a James Newton Howard, yeah, like a James Newton Howard, like ominous score playing over it. There are multiple times in this film where people are just running and screaming for their lives and then cut to trees billowing. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's great. I enjoyed this Do movie very much. I really recommend that people actually see it. it and then is, you ordered the Blu-ray. Because I need to be able to give this to people. Like, I, I think I, the <laughs> happening is going to be Patrick's annual watching of the happening going forward. Like, if M. Night Shyamalan's, you know, given that all four of us have, have well, we just recently did these podcasts, part of the trick that his movies pulls are often he has really bad scripts that have, like, a couple of good tricks that you don't expect, and that it's good directing and strong acting, like, covering over, like, a really poor script a lot mm -hmm. of the time. This movie has an awful script, no good directing, and... Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel not knowing not knowing what movie they're in. You're um, really hard selling me on this. It's <laughs> so I don't there, I saw there is Serenity a sequence yesterday, so there's, fuck it. There's a sequence where the movie brutally murders two children right in front of you. Out of nowhere, in a movie that is like, you're trying to understand what its tone is, because there's multiple moments where Mark Wahlberg is sitting and talking to plants while admitting to himself, why am I talking to plants? Almost as though it's on set and someone's just recording a bit, but no, it's in the script and he's doing it. And then the movie violently, brutally murders two kids with a shotgun in a way that you're like, Jesus what Christ. movie am I watching? It's great. I, I, unbelievable. <laughs> you have to see it. And I bought it as, as, I, as I wrote on Twitter and uh, 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 right, you know, uh, one of Waypoint's writers, Dia, asked me, like, why would you buy this film? I was like, I need to know what reality I'm in. I'm in a reality mm. where the happening exists. And if I can look at my shelf and grab this Blu-ray and go, this is the one I'm in. If ever I am unsure of the reality I'm in, I will, gra I will grab hold of this happening Blu-ray and I will, I will ground myself back in this world. It's your, like, inception totem thing that lets yeah. you know that you're in the right universe. You're, you're yes. truly awake. Did I get $4 worth $4 of entertainment out of this movie, renting on iTunes? Hell yes. And I think anyone that can, if you go into it with the right attitude, which is this attitude, uh, you will, the happening. Good. Uh, the Seems kid's getting brutally murdered. Just quick yeah, question. Not uh -huh. great. Is it like so lurid it's hilarious or like zombie child in Night of the Living Dead monstrous? It's lur It's not, it's horrifying in the moment. It's luridly hilarious moments after when you like process what just occurred. <laughs> okay. Because like it's shot in a way that you're like, holy Fuck, Shyamalan, like, where did this, this is not this movie. Also, oh, uh, so one of the best, one of the best parts of Signs is the birthday scene, right? Like the famous birthday scene, you know, the alien walks out, mm -hmm. it still gives me chills thinking about it. He attempts to replicate that in this film, in which, uh, you know, when the plants are making everyone kill themselves and jump off uh, ledges. See, here's the thing I was going to ask, was uh -huh. if the other people on this podcast knew what this movie was. Nope. Because I have to say that sentence and uh -huh. you just dropped it and the people listening don't know what this what this movie is about. It's Dude, yeah. that's it's amazing. I think it's fine. I think okay. we're we're good to go. I don't I also haven't seen signs, so like the birthday party where the alien comes out, I'm just picturing an alien emerging from a cake. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. far off. But yeah. so that there's that 
he so basically the, the way he would replicate that scene is like, oh, people are watching like a found footage bit, and it's supposed to be shocking and like illustrative of like what's happening. It's like a one of the few times like the film pulls out to the wider world, right? And so that happens in Sign is really effective. Um, and he tries to do it again in The Happening, where again, yes, these plants are emitting some sort of toxin that makes people kill themselves, yada yada, uh, uh, climate change. Uh, and someone's like, look, look what's on. YouTube or whatever they call it and like they huddle over to the phone and it's a man who is clearly uh you know a zookeeper zoologist I don't yeah, I don't know what you call someone that works in like one of the lion cages and he walks out there and then just like <laughs> begins taunting the lion like just kind of hitting it in the head and then the lion grabs and graphically rips his arm off Jesus like you watch the Christ. arm removed from his body and then he walks to the other side of the lion cage taunts another lion and the lion rips off his arm and the man is just what and it's not graphic and gruesome in the way that like you're like oh my god the cg is terrible you're just like what am i watching it's great i can keep going there's some, I, I can going. tell. I can I tell you about the lawnmower scene. I won't. Look up the lawnmower scene if you want to watch. I'm good. You know what? I think I'm good on this one. This certainly sounds like more happened in, in The Happening than in uh, the Super Bowl last night. Natalie, I know you were at a, a Super Bowl party. Welcome to the podcast also. Thank Natalie, you. I was I doing my intros. But I know. Sorry. I don't even know how to. No. I was I was just sitting here waiting to say at the end of the day we're all going to die. That was going to be my intro statement. But... I, I don't know how to follow that one up. That was that was a, a journey for sure. Um, I did watch the Super Bowl yesterday. How was that for you? Um, <laughs> my dad texted me last night, like at the end of the night. I hadn't heard from my dad in a couple days. We don't talk like every day. And he texted me last night and he just said, what a lousy game, which yeah. I think just, you know, what a lousy game. What a fucking lousy display of professional sports honestly it was really boring and i'm glad i didn't fully commit to paying attention like i very much had other things going on and i didn't like go to a party i didn't like do the thing where i just like nervously sat watching the screen like last year obviously mm-hmm. and it was just not a good one it was just it's, mm, so it's fast it depends on how you it's fascinating in a meta sense right it's like yes for like the like people that don't pay attention to a lot of football and just like i'm gonna watch the big game because i want to watch the two yeah, best yeah, teams yeah. come yes. and like kick mm-hmm. each other's ass. Like horrible game, like awful for them. Yes. The game was three three going into the fourth quarter, but like in sort of like the the way that like the meta narrative of like how NFL seasons play out. Like for the this 2018-2019 season, one of the big things has been called yeah. the the offense revolution, which is basically that defenses are supposedly becoming less and less relevant because the rules to make the the, the sport less violent. And especially for quarterbacks, so they get hit less, has now emphasized offense in a way that both the rules benefit the offense and you can basically scheme up bad quarterbacks to to have what would have been considered MVP seasons for quarterbacks in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And this culminated with a game in which the Rams and the Chiefs played what is called like one of the greatest NFL games of all time, like you know, like you know, two or three months ago, in which they scored collectively like hundred plus points. It was like 51, 46 or something like that. And the whole thought was like, ah, this is it. This is the future of football. It is where you have uh, young quarterbacks on rookie contracts. You invest all in on the offensive side of the ball, paying high-level skill players, and you just hope you have a defense that can make one or two plays to stop that offense at the end. And so that was the the theory of the case, and it's probably still where the NFL is going. So for the, 
championship game to then become, as I saw described on Twitter, a rock fight between <laughs> two teams in which you were just waiting for one team to... Two exquisite defensive plays. Like, I mean, yeah, right. it was a That's boring game to watch. The defense was incredible. No, what in you're this describing, game. right, is like it's a great little like article on Wikipedia for me to read. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to watch the football game nope. to get the bit you I what I needed to do was have you just say that to me and go, Oh yeah, that is true. That's interesting. But like if I had been at a Super Bowl party where oh, yeah. specifically the expectations of the viewers are to have a good time and watch mm-hmm. some high flying action, mm-hmm. it would have just been a miserable party to be yeah. at. Yeah. I mean, my party, no one has like watches football. Like no one was like a sports person. It was just like we want to make the sports snacks and we yeah. will eat them around a TV that happens to also be playing the game. So um I mean I was like I wasn't super invested in this football season. I don't get super invested unless my dad tells me like some shit's going down, um, which you know. So it was, it was. Can I ask a question? Sure. How did the Patriots keep winning? Okay. Why? Rob, <laughs> take it away. Um, this is one of the infuriating aspects of the whole Patriots era. It's that every learn you real every season you learn basically that the head coach of the Patriots, Bill Belichick, is just significantly better than every other coach in the league, and what he's really good at is two things: um, building a scheme for his offense and defense around whatever parts he's got. So, like, if he doesn't have the players to run his preferred sort of defense or offense, Mm -hmm. he will then create a different defense or offense to fit the pieces he has. A lot of coaches, like, literally can't really do this. A lot of them are like, well, gee, our, uh, you know, our our star uh, running back who also works as a receiver, he got hurt, so I guess we're just fucked now. And, like, that happens across (laughs) the league. Belichick will just completely like revamp the entire system to fit whatever he's got lying around, which also means that he doesn't pay for players very much. Like the thing that's supposed to equalize the NFL is the salary cap. You can't just mm-hmm. spend more money and get a better team. Yeah. And so a lot of teams end up getting slowly strangled by their star players. You've got a really great player. You want to hang on to them, but eventually they can get a star contract and you have less money to throw at other positions. Yeah, and then you can't like build the team around it. Right. To- Belichick will just show people the door. He'll just be like, fine. Uh, you know, I we I can't meet that ask. Uh, so good luck. You go get your star con- contract someone up somewhere else. I will bring in a second or third tier player to replace you. And I am Turn such a good coach. All pro. <laughs> yeah. I am such a good coach and I design such good systems around the people I've got around me that I will turn that mediocrity into a star player for the duration of my season. There is also is the, this... the other key part of that is that their quarterback, Tom Brady, bucks tradition. So usually every player in the NFL, knowing that any play could be your last, in which you will, the thing you've worked for your whole life will take out your knee and you'll never play another snap. You'll never be on that field ever again. And it may cripple the, the, like, the only thing you've come to understand and the skills that you've built over a whole lifetime. And so you take as much money as you can and you just keep you, – you press the teams to, to take that, especially given players, despite how much they sometimes can make what it seems like when you see a contract, the amount of power they have is so disproportionate to the, the owners of, of these leagues. But Tom Brady takes less money than he could ask. 
specifically because he wants the team to spend it elsewhere, which is both like anti-players union because like the, you should actually yeah. be pressing yep. the, the league to pay you uh, as much as you can possibly get because when you make more money, that means the next player can ask for that money. Like, and that's just how this is supposed to work. But Tom mm-hmm. Brady, as far as, as – far, like there are things such as like player-friendly contracts in which the way the contract is structured will like be better so that the team can spend more money – like upfront on building a better team, but Tom Brady just takes less money because what he wants to do is win, and lots of players want to do it. But like that is just there aren't that many teams that can you have the 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 greatest uh, uh, greatest coach of all time combined with a quarterback who is excellent, you know, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time, and is also willing to sacrifice financially in order to like build a better well, roster. He's not sacrificing that much. Giselle, his wife, is like one of the top supermodels in the world, like top yep. earning supermodels in the world. It makes but a that, shit ton of yeah, money. I'm, yeah, I'm not arguing that, like the difference between like, 25 and 30 million is sacrificing, right. but he, that it is the difference between the because of the cap, the team right. being able to spend $5 million I see. on He's decided on to make $180 million over his career instead of making $300 million or $250 million. And so now they can throw that money around to, to other players to bring in slightly better players mm-hmm. basically is I'm, I'm asking yeah. this is me yes. confirming yeah. okay yeah. Yeah. but that I, makes I sense. The, the other reason this keeps happening is all that adaptation that Belichick can do to fit the team he's got around him he can also do to counter scheme against whoever he is playing Bill Belichick by all accounts lives for one thing and that is coaching football like his life is going to the film room and like studying not just not just the teams he's immediately going to play, not just his own team. I like he studies basically every down of football that is played in the NFL is, is how it sounds. Um, and that also means that he can design, and this is why the Patriots victories are so often kind of excruciating to watch. A lot of what Belichick does is just about screwing up the game you want to play. Like mm, a lot, right. like, and we saw this against San Diego, and then we saw this certainly uh, last night. Well, that's against- why it's so fucking boring for me, right? This is the this is the like, last year coming off of the Eagles win. I, I I and and thinking about the other sports I'd watched that year, I was having a hard time communicating or or even understanding why it was that I have such vitriol for watching the Patriots win. When uh, in in contrast, I see the Golden State Warriors win. And I'm like, wow, that was a fun game to watch, um, and. I hadn't realized until last night you put it into these terms, Rob, that, like, what the Patriots do is derail a train. They don't, like, run their game really smoothly. What they do is build a system that will function for on their side really well, like, well enough, and then that system is built specifically to, to kind of counterbalance and take off the tracks whatever the opposition is. And so you don't get that, like... There's something funny for me listening to you describe Belichick because I, it's it's as if you're describing a great general, right? Or or for me, it's like you're describing a Legend of the Galactic Heroes character, right? <laughs> like ah yes, this this you know admiral in space looking over the field. Um, but the thing that is so exciting about when you when you read about great generals going into battle against each other, or when you look at fiction where that happens specifically, these great strategic minds you know coming coming to, to against each other is that. The, the stories that stick with you are the ones that are that are fictionalized the most are the ones about two brilliant minds having a plan and seeing those plans come into contact 
Yeah, and, and then like, there's like a lot of friction right. and like oh, and this guy's really aggressive and has all these big big ideas, mm-hmm, and this other mm-hmm. person has very is defensive and like you know moves out of the way and and you know mm-hmm. brings people in. But that isn't what Bella, watching a Belichick game is like watching. It, it is like just watching someone gum up the works entirely, and like the the opposition doesn't ever get to like stretch their wings and show what their plan was. It's like super slowed down to the point that like you just don't get to see like the full arc. Which is of what would have been. I shouldn't give a like. If I was playing for the Patriots, I'd be like, yeah. And then we fucking won the game, right? Who cares? That yeah, was like our plan. Thirteen points. So I, well, I, and, I mean that the, this is the thing is when you watch the Patriots do this year after year, you you're like, if it's your team playing them, you'll certainly have this feeling. But even if it's not your team, like a lot of people like watching uh, the the Rams slowly get strangled uh, last night, you'll be sitting there. Like kind of begging, shouting your TV, begging the other coach, like do something, like change what you are doing. At some point, Romo yesterday, Tony Romo is one of the commentators and kind of the breakout star of NFL commentary this year. Um, at some point, he just started sort of talking to the field where he's like, you got to do something different, guys. Like this is the part of the game where you need to get out of your comfort zone and just try different things because your scheme is not working. And Belichick will just like... His halftime adjustments are legendary. Legendary. He will completely change the game he's playing midway through it. Um, other coaches, and you saw this with Mayve a little bit. Once Plan A stopped working, there wasn't really a Plan B. There, mm-hmm. there was. Right. Let's hope Jared Goff can turn into a different kind of quarterback than he's ever. <laughs> let's been hope in this career. clearly scared young quarterback yeah. who is like so. You know, yeah. He, that guy was scared out of his mind. Yeah. It's also just such a trip to, like, talk about the L.A. Rams being in the Super Bowl. Like... As an L- as, a, as, as a just, Angelino. like, someone from Los Angeles. Like, the fact that there's a Los Angeles team in the Super Bowl is, like, so fucking well, weird. They, I guess they've been gone from L.A. When did they from go to St. Louis? Your whole life. Your whole life. My whole life. Right. Uh, they went in... Um, I want to say... I, I want to say... N- yeah. yeah ni- I, I was going to say... 93, 94. Post-Olympics, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so I was not born yet. So I've never known the LA Rams. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's... I mean, my dad's a fan. He he goes to a lot of LA Rams games. Um but the first couple of years, it was like, uh, what are we doing here? Like, why do we have this thing? Why do we pour, like, millions right. of dollars into building this ginormous stadium for, like, a football team for a city that, like, doesn't really give a fuck about football? Right. Like, other than, like, the Oakland Raiders. Like, that's, like, the biggest football team close to us. And, like, and they're not that close. And they're not that Oakland close. Football is like far. the Clippers. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but... Now it's like I feel like I blinked and and they got there. Like I feel like I wasn't really paying attention, and then it was like, oh yeah, the L.A. Rams are the ones. Like there is no whenever like the Lakers season is really good or the Dodgers season is really good, it like takes over the city. Like you can like everyone's talking about it, and even if you don't really know what the fuck is going on, like you're kind of talking about it. But with the L.A., maybe it's because I'm not like living in L.A. No. right now. But no, the the sense I've gotten listening to like various commentators and podcasts of like people that live in LA it's like no no like it well, really just hasn't it's not a football over. town when no. it's been a football town it's been a football town for the Raiders right and 
when the Rams came to town, they were coached by um oh hell the nepotist uh oh oh Fisher g- get yes Jeff, Jeff Fisher. Fisher seven and, and seven yeah and so like they were kind of the definition of mediocrity when they came to <laughs> Los Angeles and they were coached by this guy who I swear to God had like despite years of underperforming results. He was literally married, I think, to a member of the owner's family. It might have actually been like the owner's daughter. Ooh. And so there was like a family connection that insulated Yikes. him from Yikes. a lot of consequences. Drama. And so that team was just boring as hell to watch. Like, yeah. there could be decent players, but it was just bad games. Yeah. Um, so once he got out and McVay arrived, you kind of started to see maybe that team was a little better off than it looked. Mm. I was like, for me, the, the other thing around this is that there is, when the play is good, when it is entertaining, it is easier to wash one's hands and be like, this is what this is. This is why I'm getting over my, my issues with, uh, you know, uh, player injuries and with the ownerships like conservatism and with uh, a whole deal of regression in general around the sport and the, and the, the ways in which the military use it as a vector for, uh, you know, ideological spread. Like, when there's in like the last Super Bowl, obviously I was personally in- invested because it was my team, the Eagles. But even when I just see a great football game, when I do see that high scoring game earlier this season, I'm just like, wow, like it's easy to just like put that <laughs> stuff out of your your brain for yeah. a moment because you're impressed with athleticism and great play calling and remarkable moments. Um, and so when it's just this grind, you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm compartmentalizing for this. This yeah. is why I'm like, mm, uh, and that Reagan, Reagan. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh. so we if you didn't explain see. what that was. Yeah. So like, God. In, in, in football, like, you know, traditionally coach calls a play that's radioed in to the quarterback and then the play is run. But wait, the, so can I, are there headsets yes. inside yeah. the helmet? Yes. Wow. And then at, so you know how there's the, uh, uh, the play clock, you know, that's counting down when they have to snap the ball. So at 15 seconds left, like, that radio goes out. And then, um, so in the game, if if the quarterback is competent enough, this is usually more among, like, veteran quarterbacks than younger quarterbacks because it requires improvisation. There's a thing called an audible. So it's, like, at the line of play, either a play will have, like, different permutations. Like, hey, this play can go A, B, and C, and then you need to call which one it is based on how the defense is lining up. Or maybe you'll just call a different play entirely. And so, like... The really good quarterbacks, like you know uh, Peyton, Man- like Peyton Manning, like his famous skill was the audible at the line. And Tom Brady, like also very good at this, like calls <laughs> apparently Reagan at the time. Which uh, often these audibles are nonsense gibberish um, because it's meant to hopefully not communicate anything to the opposing side. It's only supposed to mean something to those who understand the terminology. But as it turns out, audible for Reagan meant like a run to the right side which in the context of the like a trump supporting like patriot organization is just uh-huh yeah we're 20 years away from trump being uh, an audible call well and that's and that's if we thing, last right? like, that long you watch you watch brady you watch the patriots organ the shots of bob fucking craft up there uh and it's just like this is the most ownership oriented of the franchises like mm-hmm. this is the this is like the quintessential everything that kind of sucks about the NFL is right there in the Pats org and it is the like you know Natalie you linked that piece uh by mm-hmm. Drew McGarry this morning about 
you know, the worst people win. That is how the Patriots uh, tend to, their, their wins tend to feel. Yep. That is how they As feel. In politics. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, can we can we talk about something I'm actually excited about? Yeah, and that's please. like sort of happening in the background oh my today. God. Imagine if they just released the battle royale thing in the middle of the Super Bowl. If like they just accelerated oh, the Super Bowl thing by a day and been like, "Hey, this game fucking sucks. Go play this instead." <laughs> yeah, that would have been incredible. I Someone got believe- FTP access. Can you just put that up? <laughs> Take it live. Flip the switch. <laughs> I cannot believe there wasn't a single. The the uh, best part of last night was the Microsoft oh, um, yes. accessibility controller ad, which uh, is a, which was like a great ad, kind of spotlighting the accessibility controller and kids who are able to play games with it, and yeah. and the ways in which it impacts their lives in a beneficial way. And like, I fucking know it's an advertisement. Like, don't yeah, don't course. get in my mentions and tell me I'm not being a good leftist enough. Fuck off, because like. One of the things that happens when accessibility uh, is forefronted by companies often is that it is not, in fact, forefronted. That options are added, and then they like live in a closet somewhere. Yeah, someone, you someone, have to like ask for you it. Have to ask for it. It's it an accessory at the back of GameStop that got a press release. That, exactly, I got one press release, and it got that, some flowery profiles that they did. Yes. some press that they like selectively set up, and then it's checkboxed, and then it's thrown in the back to be like, haha, this is performative, you know, uh, uh, helping others. Right, but like, and, and there was still a performative aspect of this. Like, I'm, again, mm-hmm. I understand that it is an advertisement, but there was something important about normalization. There was something important about not being ashamed of this thing that you made to to help people enjoy the medium of video games. Like, that is a good thing, and the Super Bowl is an opportunity to let people know that this is a thing to be concerned about. That's a huge platform mm-hmm. that they could have spent advertising game pass and i don't know they may have also advertised game pass i may have mm, missed the game pass ad. So. but like the the this is a moment for like parents who are watching the super bowl who have kids who can who can benefit from the accessibility controller to realize oh wow this is a thing like i had no idea like i'm absolutely gonna pick this up for Susie or whatever right Susie's yeah. scenario <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah but I, I i was really surprised that there weren't like more like I don't know, video game. I was surprised there wasn't like a big video game trailer like or games. Don't really do the Super Bowl because it doesn't line up with it's. It's close enough to E three that you would hold that stuff for that tradition. Yeah. or the NBA and Finals. And uh, that's like the, NBA, the Call of Duty. Thing. But also that's closer yeah, yeah, to E yeah. three. Like that's and then you're closer to fall. Like it's just like it's in a weird. I think the last. I mean, there had been like I remember like it was a big deal. Like didn't Dante's Inferno. Have yeah, was one of like the I early can't... Super Bowl video game ads, and it was a big deal because it costs you know it's like five million. I don't know what it was then, but I think it's like five million dollars for like a thirty second mm-hmm. spot um, for for this uh-huh. year. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I mean it's performative, but like if you're gonna get performative corporationism, you know, like yep. uh, you know, uh, this is gonna help people. True. So totally. And yo, that and uh, that. That controller seems really it fucking really awesome. Does. Like it's also not like an afterthought. You know, everything I've heard about the folks that have worked with Microsoft, you know, it seems like it's a miracle like, that it's the whole chain of like how it was made, made in collaboration with people that would be able to make sure they made a thing that actually helped people and wasn't just a narrow segment of helping people. It's like a broad. It's just yeah. It's a. It's it's just a a, a cool thing. It's like hard to be cynical about it, even if you can find ways to. You can find ways to be cynical about everything, but I I, ch- I choose to to be teared up by that commercial mm-hmm. and just yeah totally move on. Can I be cynical about something else? Yes, though? please say yeah, the please. halftime show. <laughs> we have to move on. No, I I didn't even. I was like, I can't invest more time into the Super no. Bowl. Just zipped through that. I was watching a DVR. Like, 
I, 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 30 minutes passed in the blink of an eye. It was great. <laughs> uh, no, those fucking Verizon commercials. Um, uh, you guys familiar with this, the backstory on no. this? Mm-mm. Which, which okay. Verizon commercial? So there were multiple commercials last night from Verizon honoring first responders. Oh, um, right. First responders, as I'm sure you've noticed, have sort of become like the new troops as the United States continues to like fail to deal with like crises of infrastructure yeah. and environment. Yeah. Now, first responders are the people we throw at those problems uh, that policymakers have created. Uh, and rather than solve them, we just thank effusively uh, the people who clean, out, clean up after the disasters and respond to emergencies. Uh, Verizon had this series of uh, thank yous to first responders featuring like NFL personalities whose lives have been saved or, or who've had uh, emergency treatment from first responders in various crises. They're very moving commercials. They're very, they're very effective. And so it's all like Verizon loves first responders. But backstory on this. Uh, during the wildfires last year in California, Verizon. Oh my God, that's okay. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, Verizon started throttling fire departments' data right. uh, that they were using. Remember, these are enormously fast-moving wildfires. Like people are, there needs to be real-time coordination and a lot of transmission of data. Um, Verizon just started strangling uh, the. <laughs> the, the wireless plans of uh, fire fire departments responding to these uh, crises. I think the big one is in the uh, Santa Clarita, uh, S- Santa Clara uh, fire. And weren't they and, like promoting another like package? They were like the like another uh, 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 data package for first. I thought I remember that right? too. Like, right, I've seen ads. Right, for it. like there was another like first responders like package or something like that that was like in an emergency like you need all the data you can get like upgrade to this and it was like you're promoting this as you're like like uh 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 uh, purposefully throttling the data of 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 like first responders and and firefighters in this region and it's not like so if you look at the ars technica piece about this it's not like it would be gross enough if this had just happened in like an automatic system, oh, you've hit your data cap. Now you're getting the slower uh, wireless plan, et cetera. And no human had ever like had the problem brought to their attention. Mm-hmm. But the fire department contacted Verizon and were explaining that this is a major problem. It is significantly hindering uh, firefighting operations and putting people in danger. And Verizon tried to sell the fire department an upgrade. Yeah. So yeah. this Yikes. is, and I mean, this is like, fuck off. I think we tend to under underestimate the degree to which Americans are relentlessly propagandized. But this is like, a, we don't think of it as propaganda because we think of propaganda as being like directly by the yep. state, uh, like promoting the the state's message. Mm-hmm. But our form of propaganda is shit like this, where Verizon uh, and Wells Fargo is another master of commercials Jeez. like this. But in this case, it's specifically Verizon wrapping themselves in sort of the valor and sacrifice of other people that Verizon has like done material harm to in the past and claiming their partners in that effort and making themselves part of the celebration and honoring of first responders. Which, which uh, like specifically uh, kind of aligns capital with service, state provided services, right? With services that are not supposed to be about profit 
services that are if they need those things. If 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 you are someone who is responding to a massive fire in in uh, a state somewhere, and you don't have the data you need to do that job well and stay in contact with the rest of your team and keep getting updates. One of the things that that moment reveals is a crack in the system in terms of how data is provided to us, period. It shows that like, oh, this is a privatized service. It all goes through these private services who are failing at this moment to provide that for us. And and in, in a moment of failure like that, it opens up the imagination to another world. It lets you say, wait a second, why shouldn't there just be at least a national option uh, a state provided option for data where they just flip the fucking switch and say like, yeah, the when firefighters are responding to a to a, a massive fire, the their data cap is unlocked. They don't. Yeah. Why should they need to pay for it? That is going to come out of the same stuff that comes out of emergency response for medical, uh, uh, you know, emergencies mm-hmm, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or or should right. Um, and so, I it's these are moments in which big corporations realize they must close that that opening of imagination as quickly as possible by saying and we're here to help too we're doing our job here so there is not a there is not a failure there is not a, a, another world imaginable but the pledge is super the the pledge they're making on those commercials is super vague right. too we need to make sure that first responders can get the call well, we're not talking about calls because these things aren't really phones right. anymore, right? right? Like, we can get a call to anyone. That's why you haven't been able to soak us on, like, unlimited call minutes for years and years. Like, you know, that's that's the old that's the old tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's data. And so it's weird to me that commercials being like, we got to make sure the first responders can get the call. Dude, uh, like, a burner phone from a gas station can get the call. What what we right. need is like real time GPS and uh, like data. Yeah, totally. Whew. Can we take a break? Let's take a break, and then I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> just move and just on. From get this. it all out. It's out. It, well, no, we're going to take a break. Oh, y'all mix out of a Twilight Zone. Yeah, Twilight Zone. That looked cool. Oh, that was cool. All right, I'm, Avengers. All right, bye. I'm going to take a break. BRB. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, there is, I am staring at a screen. Do you want me to describe what is on this screen? Please. I don't know how to describe this. Um, it's like a marketplace. It's like a sci-fi marketplace. And actually, I think it actually has some katakana here, but I'm, my katakana is still really bad, so I can't read this quickly. Uh, I might just say market, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Um, uh, Titanfall, mm, Respawn. Here's how to sell this. Here's how to do this right. Respawn Entertainment, the company that, the studio that brought you Titanfall and Titanfall 2 that broke off of Infinity Ward. Oh, something changed on my screen. Now there's a man walking through poison gas. What the fuck is happening? Okay, he seems mad. Uh, they are launching a battle royale set in the Titanfall universe, but unlike uh, 
I think this game was maybe done a disservice by early leakers of it saying it's a Titanfall Battle Royale because there are no Titans and there's no wall running. There are mobility options. Apparently, you can slide. You get like the good sprint and then mm-hmm. you can climb over shit. Um, and because there are hero characters or, or kind of like character classes a la Rainbow Six Siege or Overwatch, um, there are presumably some of those characters may have additional movement options of some sort. Interesting. Uh, we'll see. But it is not a Titanfall game. There are no Titans in it, which breaks my heart a little bit, except that I remember, and I remember this because I spent the weekend dipping my toes back into Titanfall, that Respawn makes incredible video games. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it should be, the, the big like twist on this is uh, there was an event last week or like the week before, I think, I think not this past, maybe it was actually just this Friday, now that I think about it. It was this past Friday, and leaks started hitting almost immediately. Uh, because of the quick turnaround on this. This is a game that is supposedly launching in some form today. They're currently running a teaser on Twitch. It is called Apex Legends. Um, and it was, there was a press event, and then immediately after the press event, there, were, there was a, an influencer event where a ton of uh, YouTubers and Twitch streamers went to play the game, uh, and it has, it's leaked. It leaked really bad. People thought there might be a Super Bowl commercial. There was not a Super Bowl commercial. Um, instead, there is a Twitch live stream right now that is doing lots of like ambient location shots that are interspersed with brief gameplay footage, uh, and occasionally, uh, like it's a, like cinematic gameplay. Yeah, footage. Uh, so there was there was definitely one bit that was literally just someone running with a gun and shooting, right. and sliding and stuff like that. Yeah, but, like it's it's I don't know. I am incredibly here for anything respawn does. <laughs> Anthem comes out in ten yeah. days, and we're we're doing yeah, this. I feel. And like this is presum- little, presumably this is going if it's a if it's a battle royale game it's going to be a live game in the sense that like it's a game of service game it's going to be a game where people are are buying microtransaction things for cosmetics and it's going to get new updates I think in the post Fortnite world uh, you have if you're making a battle royale it better have cool new updates pretty consistently it better mm-hmm. feel like a game where things are happening I think that's a big part of where PUBG fell apart. Um, uh, heard other rumors about it, but like at this point, by the time you hear this, this game will be out in some form, presumably, like uh, apparently. So I don't want to like sit here and say, here's what we've heard rumor wise, but I am curious if not having wall running, if not having Titans is, is going to keep people off. Could you imagine like being in a battle Royale game and there's just someone running on a wall next to you Yeah, and like. You got to shoot him. Well, this is what I was just telling a friend of mine was <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about it. Because, okay, so I've been playing Titanfall 1 and 2 or, or over the weekend. 2, just 2, not 1. Titanfall 2 over the weekend. And be like, man, this game is fucking good. Wall running is great. Mechs are great. And I love them a lot. The thing that happens a lot in those games is some motherfucker wall runs behind me and shoots me in the back of the head. And it's not <laughs> so bad in Titanfall 2 because, one, I like the wall running a lot. And I'm okay at it. But if you die, you respawn in five seconds. If I put 40 minutes or 30 minutes into a map of Battle Royale and some motherfucker wall ran behind me and shot me in the back of the head, I would I would feel bad because yeah. I already know what that feels like because I've played Fortnite where some motherfucker builds a house and I'm like, ah, dude, <laughs> I got a door and then he shoots me in the head. So I, I think like as long as the mobility feels fast and as long as the world feels interesting in terms of map design, in terms of locations, in terms of... Like, that feeling of, of there being a world there, which as a nerd like me, I can already say that, like, Apex is the name of a mercenary group from the Titanfall world. I suspect that one of the leaders, I, you know, I can start projecting from my Titanfall lore head. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out, though, so, like, what makes this different 
like if you're removing yeah. things like mechs, you're removing yes. things like wall running. At what point is, it just is this just is is this just yeah is this just blackout? But it happens to take place in the Titanfall so, universe. It's like again, I don't yeah. I didn't play Blackout. I, I, it's been years since I played Titanfall two, a game that I adored, and its single player campaign continues to be it's so fucking underrated good, dude. I played two levels our, from despite it. Our it's efforts, so good. Despite our efforts, please to go it. play that game. Um, <laughs> but so so at what it's so at what point again? We haven't played this. This is really like hard to just like sort of idly speculate on because we're mostly just dancing we've around heard things from we've other heard people. From other yeah, people we, can't, that we can't. Yeah, talk about. we could because this will be out later. But will be out after. But it's out, but we can't. But we can't. I know, but I can't, we, can't, no. we still can't. What if they're okay, wrong? Here are I things, don't know. Okay, let's talk about um, things that are just out in the open. Here's the things out in the open. Right. There was a character select screen sure. that leaked. I don't know if it's a current character select screen or not, but it has a, there. There are characters who feel like they're they look a little bit a little bit like Overwatch characters in contrast to what is in Blackout, which is just like the Call of Duty characters. Right. And so it's just. But, but is are they? Does Blackout have hero characters? Or Blackout is, it just is based? Blackout is you. It's loadout based, and you find perks on the ground in the world. You don't start a game and you're like, oh, I'm the guy with the with the grappling hook or the, the hook right, shot. Exactly. Or that, that's in the Black Ops Four okay. multiplayer, mm-hmm. right? But it's mm-hmm. not in the battle royale mode. Blackout. Yeah, in the Blackout mode, you like. I think you can start with like a battery like there's the shield thing or maybe that's just in the multiplayer i don't know i think that's just the multiplayer yeah i don't know i think that it might just be your loadout i think you might just start with like i don't think you start with anything i've played that game you gotta get guns and shit never mind you don't don't even have like a shot you know what i mean you don't have like a pistol even at the start that's true so what, is there anything you can pull from the character screen that gives us a sense of like how different? Uh, yeah, so like the character like screen that leaked, and again, this? you know, who knows? Maybe this is an old thing. Uh, has like a character who looks kind of cartoonish. Um, it <laughs> which is Austin Walker looking at this. There's immediately at least two black characters, including a black woman, which at this point feels like I got you to fucking Blizzard after all the the time that they've gone without answering that particular request from fans as they add more and more characters. Um, character classes all have, or all the characters have an icon with them that seems to be differentiating, like, maybe not what they do, but but either a subclass or, like, a generalization as to what they are. So, like, one of the characters has, like, a little radar screen. You know, there's a bunch of characters that look like they have, like, you know, uh, uh, assault rifle bullets. And there's a snipe. There's clearly, like, a, a targeting uh, reticle for, like, a sniper character or something like that, right? Um, uh, and the, I mean, like the big for, big thing for me is like they're bright and cartoonish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, there there is a robot named Pathfinder who's like has like a blue background and a big big camera face and a, uh, a medical symbol next to them, and so um, that part of the read feels like uh, that part of it feels like they're they're going to do one of the things we've talked about wanting more uh, battle royale games to do, which is give me cool abilities, give me a feeling of differentiation. Let me think about team composition mm-hmm. um, a little bit. Uh, and so my hope is that this does that pretty well. Um, and there's other stuff too, which is like, I think both for us, we played mostly Fortnite and battle royale or sorry, and PUBG. Um, and there are other ways to do the model of battle royale that do things like remove parts of the map instead of removing like, like just having a circle closing in. Um, you know, the dream for me, and this is complete speculation, bullshit. Like genuinely, this is not me hiding some shit that I've that I heard from somebody. Um, remember that level in Titanfall 2 where they build the the like the city? They build the, the Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and then you're in like the training facility fabrication. Yeah, center it's called. The, like I looked that, it up yesterday. It's it's not called the World Builder, but it's the, like the World Foundry or something like that, which is a great name. And um, you at the end of it. It's a factory that's like building a house around you as you move through it, like on these gigantic conveyor belts. At the very end, it's revealed, oh, it's been building this like suburban town for use in training exercises. Hmm. And I would fucking love if the, if the way the the blue circle in this worked was just the the floor drops out from below all of this shit and it just empties out into an abyss below. That would be really that cool. That would be sick. There's a lot to play within this universe that has a lot of character, even though Titanfall has never had like the best storyline or anything like that. Um, so we'll see. I'm going to watch this teaser stream for the next few hours. How do you... But how do you not get Titan... Well, we should talk again later this week. When there's more detail pops out of, from interviews. Yeah, I, I feel and like, like so much of this podcast will be like immediately irrelevant. Like I, I'm with you, Rob. Like it's hard to conceive, but maybe we should just sort of like we're tentatively interested. We're interested. We're interested. I'm very interested based on things I've heard. <laughs> right. But we should probably just give it oh, like, here, by the time this, this podcast is, comes out. That here's game an interesting thing. Out. One interesting thing is that they did bring out a bunch of influencers, and the influencers aren't allowed to say shit, but they each, they all keep saying how cool it is. Some of that is sponsored. I like uh, some of that. I'm sure is, is hashtag, advertising. hashtag advertising. But some of it has been just like I think it was Shroud on one of the streams was like I can't say shit. I can't say shit. I can't say shit. And then like 40 seconds later, he was like, "All I can say is it's fantastic." <laughs> and then like moved on. It's like, bro, you can't. Uh, I get that's it. That's the same. Well, whatever. That's just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We that's play, the we, same way. Uh huh. Fucking game reviewers yep. will go out and say like, "I can't wait to talk about <laughs> this game a week from now." Like. Hmm. Dude, lady, you're just saying you fucking like the game to skirt around the embargo. Like, yeah. so let's just not. There are a lot of things in this world where we can be like, hey, let's not uh, throw rocks from. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. yeah. Like this has been a long time thing where people sneak in. Shit, we skirt around stuff on the time. People skirt. People think throw things in podcasts all the time because yep. they know that PR people don't listen to it. Yep, <laughs> it's true. True. It's true. Uh, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I'm. I'm curious about it but i'm not like you know i'm curious about it i'm gonna keep my keep my keep my expectations in line but they're high because no, you makes good games no, you makes great games titanfall 2 was such a good game uh anyway you're it's a version of titanfall where the fact that i'm bad at titanfall might not be debilitating right right, right <laughs> like where right, it's like right. as much as i love the idea of like getting really good at titanfall and mastering the wall runner and the smart the wall running and the smart pistol and like becoming a really good titan pilot Every time I played multiplayer, two things were made clear. One, other people were significantly better at <laughs> yes. blending those skills and the spatial reasoning required to really master them. And two, the game was so incredibly fast-paced that the small amount of screen tearing I have on my monitor was actually <laughs> a problem. Uh, and so a slower-paced Titanfall where it's like, it's all that good flavor. You want to hack a robot army and have a bunch of robots following you around? Uh, as your as your robot guards, that'd be cool. I'd be into that. That'd be neat. Uh, one of the things that they teased. So remember earlier, was like I saw a guy walking through some gas, and it was like toxic gas, and he was chill. They've now shown another person run through that marketplace or some other place, and the toxic gas hits them, and it does not go as well for them. So abilities and traps and and stuff like that mm. seem big. Um, there was a hawk at one point. There was like a bird that landed on someone's hand, which seems cool. I don't fucking know. All sorts of shit going on. The lady has a rocket launcher. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. You know what I kind of dug about the Titanfall lore? Real quick, Austin. You know what, Rob? Remember at the end of Titanfall please. 1, where the good guys win and they defeat that IMC like expedition yes. to bring like to bring the colonies to heal? In the quote-unquote story, clear, like, which is just literally some death matches attached side to side? Yeah. Yeah. Nevertheless, though, but in the background there, it's like, well, shit. Uh, now that the IMC lost this campaign, it's going to be like 75 years before they can send reinforcements. Yeah. Uh, which was, I thought, kind of a cool yeah. touch. It was like a, the rare sci-fi game where it's like, oh, there's kind of a forever war thing here where out on this frontier, if anything is lost in the in that area, it's going to take literal decades to make to another get, to, yeah, that was To cool. actually send some extra shit out there. Yeah, totally. That game, and, and the sequel, like I said, it doesn't have a great story. Titanfall 2 doesn't have a great story in the sense of like, I don't know that anyone today would be able to name characters other than BT, the big robot that you have. Um, uh, like, can any of you remember the name of the character you play as in Titanfall? 2? No, that game. That game is all about mission design. It's but, tremendous, yes. tremendous. Well, and, mission like, design. and I think genuinely, I genuinely also think the world is fascinating. Like, there are enough things in the mission design where you're like, "Hey, is there fucking time travel in this world? Why is there a weird time travel institute?" But but all that seems like perfunctory in the sense that, like it's pulling in what it needs to to fulfill. Like satisfying. totally, but like it's, someone who's like, "Hey, I want to do this." Like, sure, this world could do that. Why not? Why not? Uh, Absolutely, which is fine. I think it works. I think it genuinely. It takes itself. It takes itself just seriously enough that you get invested on a permission basis. But the moment you're out, what you remember is the mission, not the story arc that occurred. Right. As a result of it. There's a version of that game where when a new mercenary shows up and says their name and says they're from whatever mercenary faction, you don't there doesn't have an impact at all. But because at least those proper nouns are good enough and like you've bought in enough to whatever the thing is happening in the moment, you're like, hell yeah, I'm about to get into a cool like fight against this ace pilot from from Apex, this the Apex Predators or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, okay, my buy in is there, even if it's not going to stick with me. I'm happy with that. Does this mean no Titanfall three? I don't know. I, I suspect so. I suspect this is. I suspect this is what that team was working on. Um, if as they're gonna, good, I, as good as this, I, you know, having not played it, maybe I, I'm. Sh I'm sure I'm gonna like it. Just I'm sure it'll be good. Uh -huh. I will profess to being given how good the single player campaign was in Titanfall Two. Yeah. If the result of this, and maybe this was the only path forward, right? Like maybe there was no world where there was a you know, a Titanfall three with a proper single player campaign. Like, right. but I, I will weep. I will shed a few tears for not getting something built on the campaign of Titanfall two, which was tremendous. First ever battle Royale campaign mode store. They're, they're going to go back to the sure. Titanfall one thing, which they just turned multiplayer matches into a story, into a radio drama is do it again, but with battle Royale. Remember you bring down the shields on that airbase and the fucking dinosaur monsters begin pouring inside the wire and like fucking shit up. Imagine that happening in a lot. I want it to happen really bad. There was a there's a leaked map that I don't know if it's if it's true or not. There's dinosaurs on that map. That's all I'm saying. Yep. There's a little place called what was it called? Skulltown. Skulltown. Skull Where are we dropping, boys? Skulltown. Always. To Skull Catch Always. me in Skulltown. Catch me in Skulltown. Exactly. I live there. Um, let's talk about some more video games that, that people have been playing and have come out. I think I think the big one worth talking about that we haven't touched on yet because we've had it for a little while is Wargroove. Mm. Mm -hmm. Trucklefish's new tactical tactics game. It's a tactics game. It's not a tactical RPG. It's a tactics game. Uh, it is in the vein of the old Advanced Wars games. Um, it has a lot of great art, and I think it, it makes some like smart changes to the formula. There's some neat stuff around. I mean, if you've never played tactics, if you've never played Advanced Wars, 
but you've played Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. I think that's I think a, I feel like if, a lot of people played Fire Emblem and XCOM. Yes. And it's been like worth thinking about describing this game and yes. how it's different from that because it is it's important. It different, different in some really important ways. Yes. Unlike those, this is not a game about character progression. Advance Wars is not a game in which you take a character and you level them up and you decide what to equip them with. And it's certainly not a game in which you end up having relationships between characters and blah, 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 blah. Here, it no... does not matter if a unit dies, right. for example. Mm. Um, it is It is much more akin to something like a real-time strategy game, but built around a turn-based encounter. So it's more like a StarCraft or a Company of Heroes or a Warcraft or, you know, et cetera. In that you are building, you're, you're taking, it's it's different in some sense. I, you know, I think Company of Heroes is maybe a good touchstone because it's about capturing points on a map that give you specific advantages, whether that is that it gives you more money to spend on new units or it's a barracks unit that can, you know, uh, kind of pump let you out pump out additional units. new units or a special uh, kind of construction site where you can pump out different types of units. Um, and... Uh, you kind of are are battling over over the, the the board, right? Like so, in some ways, it's a little more chess like in the sense of it being about board control and and less about like walking through a space and killing people. Not that Titan, not that uh, well, and because also Titanfall. the game is often giving you multiple ways to win, right? right? So it can be like a lot of missions are defeat the commander unit. Well, so that's new which, in like, Wargroove. That mm-hmm. is one of the things that sets Wargroove apart is this idea of mm-hmm. specific on screen commander units in a lot of battles. That one have really cool abilities, and they have like a they have like a meter that fills up basically, and then two killing them can win the match instantly. So you have to protect them. Mm. Um, and in order to get their special power up, you have to use yeah. your commander yeah. to kill like every unit that they attack. I think I don't know if it's just attacks or if it's just kills. I don't know. I, I can't thought it was attacks, it but maybe I'm wrong. Either way, but like you have to use them. You have to put them in harm's way in order to fill the meter to get access to their special abilities, like the ones I've encountered so far. Uh, there's this wizard that casts, like, he puts a crystal on the map, yeah. and then that creates a, a defense buff. So, like, if you're, like, you know, headed into, like, a, a a wave of enemies, it's like, all right, well, go send your, you know, your troops in under the guise of this defense, and, like, they'll probably last an additional turn, um, especially if you're just trying to, like, put up a front in order to maybe to, to brunt them. There's a... Um, uh, I uh, did you did you do the dog mission? I've not done Austin? no no. I'm super super early on, but I've read there's a there's, can, a, yeah. there's a side mission where one of the character one of the characters has a dog, and then that dog becomes a commander. Right, um, love it. And then he's a, he's a Caesar, very good boy, right? Caesar, yes. Oh. Um, I believe his what? his groove <laughs> is uh, to um, which is what Great. they call the skills uh, is to like uh, uh, like influence. Like he gets people so proud that they want to attack twice. You like get to use like good two, dog. Two turns per. Um, oh wow! You get like yeah, per, you get a second. Per. You get a second turn basically. That's a good. Ability. Yeah, for only like the units that are like right around you. Inspire them. That's what it's called. Natalie, like, you seem inspire. to have some sort of um, thoughts on Caesar the dog. I don't know. Just there's better dog names. It's in, like a military my, dog. Yeah. What's your What's your better dog name for a military dog? Goofy. Rufus. Rufus isn't bad. Oh, Rufus plus Goofy. <laughs> Goofus. What's the Goofus is good. Goofus. Um, I had a question. Um, mm. is there any incentive not to immediately kill the like enemy commander? Like, is there? It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. They're well defended <laughs> and they're strong they as kick, shit. They will kick your ass. Like, okay. They can, the game warns you up front. That's like, hey, commanders can take out most normal units in one hit. If not right. one hit, then like, so the way like individual units work is like they have an HP meter mm-hmm. and. It's both HP and represents how much damage they can then do. So it's like mm. a unit at full HP can do a full hit, 
a unit uh, that's been like damaged from 10 to two, it's like, yeah, they can, I mean, they could, they can attack someone, but they're not going to do much damage. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, like commanding units, like they're useful because like, hey, if there's like three enemies, like in an area, you could probably throw your commander over there and just shunk, shunk, shunk. Because also commanders gain health back on a per turn basis. So if they get down to like really low health, because you've decided to sacrifice them to go take out a couple of high-powered units that you weren't prepared for with your your uh, the current pieces you had, uh, you know you can kind of stuff them away in a corner and they can recover their health over uh, a couple of turns. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Good. That's interesting because like when I think of you know sometimes the way that I play um, the Fire Emblem games, sometimes the uh, all you have to do is kill like the one like main enemy and everyone else around them is just like defense for that person but if you like brute force your way you can just clear them out but sometimes because of the way that exp works yes, and stuff like exactly that you it. want to actually clear everyone totally. out before mm-hmm. you and the game you're like you're like you yeah don't. you're like actually like trying to dance around like trying putting it <laughs> it's like sometimes yes. it's like more of a challenge to not kill yeah. the command fucking stop attacking me i need to kill that dude if i kill the dude up near the other village i'm gonna get a special item exactly that's gonna let me make my nice guy who wears the donald who wears the stove my on his sweet head, boy my sweet boy so much stronger but i can't you cannot attack please i will kill you you will die you, you have will no die. hp my guy um, yeah, the, I guess the other the other big wrinkle in this one is uh, critical hits are sort of critical. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Essential. Uh, I'm thinking of synonyms go. in my head. Uh, to, like, the faster you realize that critical hits are going to be what allow you to sort of win the day, especially if you're chasing, like, it, it ranks your performance on three stars. Like, mm-hmm. unless you're doing critical hits, one, this game's hard enough that it's going to kick your ass over and over if you're not internalizing how critical hits work. Um, and two, if you want to get the, the higher performance stars, then uh, you're really going to have to figure out how they work. So like they, I mean, they're simple enough, but it uh, changes on a per unit basis. So like- I love a, critical hits. These are the they're re- they're, re- they're a really smart wrinkle that completely change how you play. It's yeah. so like, for example, like uh, pikemen, if they are uh, lined up next to each other, then they can do, you know, a super hit. Um, with uh, archers, if they don't move, so like if you take one turn to position them, and then mm-hmm. the next turn they attack but they don't move, then they get a, a critical hit. Um, I think with swordsmen, it's if they're adjacent to the commander unit. Yeah. So sometimes you'll like want to set up your commander and your swordsman in a position where they can, you know, they, they can be next to each other so that they can you can get that critical hit. I really and like, so the like knights every, who are like each, on each horseback. Each, and it's like you yes. have to move them six. If you can oh, move the them horseman is my favorite six. one because it's so infuriating yes. when you fuck it up. Yep. So yeah, the horseman is six units away. If you move six spaces, then and the game doesn't let you like fudge it. You can't like take the horse. <laughs> like I've tried. You can tried do a little on. bit, but you cannot really do it. You, you really can't just cannot. like have them like sprint left and then come back around <laughs> to get that critical hit distance. Um, and yeah, like and that becomes like a very big part of like. When you when a mission seems insurmountable, it often is because you haven't thought about how the critical hits are like being how you are like crafting units in conjunction with the critical hits that you're trying to set up two or three steps down the line. And like that stuff leads into like my biggest frustrations with the game is yeah. that you can't undo a move. Um Lord help me how many times I have accidentally moved a unit. Um like I like I like in strategy games when I can see what's going to happen, everything that's going to happen before I commit. 
And this game does not let you do that. Um, in other words, so it's a very specific example here, and, and, sure. and I think this is where I think my criticism also comes in because it becomes very easy to make the comparison. In uh, There's already varieties of ways you could do this, right? Like, so... The XCOM model is once you move a unit, that's it, the, the unit is moved, but at least we'll say, oh yeah, you can shoot three enemies from here before you move them, right? Mm -hmm. The Into the breach model, which I think changed this for a lot of people, is you can straight up move all your, your people around first, and then as long as you haven't attacked yet, you can undo any of those moves. You can be like, okay, I'm going to move over here, 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 mm, uh, back, 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 let's go back, that's not where I want people to be. And that set, th that set an expectation in my mind for this game Two, there's two big end of the breach things here, but that that one definitely set a big expectation in my mind. Um, and then and then the other one was like BattleTech lets you move your unit and see how see what your chances are to hit and lets you start to do some of the math. I'm like, okay, well I'll do enough damage, so this is a smart move. Whereas in Wargroove, there are times where I'm like I move someone and I realize after like ah well. Mm, I moved them, but then I, but this other attack, you know, wasn't made do way more damage. sense in my head than it does yes. in practice. But I like, haven't ah, committed I'm, yet either. I haven't. I'm, not, I'm just saying, let me pull back before I swing a sword, right? right. Like um, the other big one for me, and maybe this—I don't know if this is true for you too, Patrick. But the maps are big in comparison. The missions to are long. Like, the missions you can are easily long. spend forty-five minutes in a fight, especially if like you're thinking, okay, the first time, if you're not going for the stars, it's like yeah. the first time is to like feel out this map. To see, mm -hmm. like, where the units are coming from. Because often they'll do, like, reinforcements from different areas. And so it's, like, the first time through, you know, it could be a wash. But even the, the missions are often bare minimum 30 minutes long. And that's a long time where I've had moments where I made a tactical error three-fourths through, which then the cascade of that is mm -hmm. just devastating. And now the mission's over and I got to start from scratch. And it's, like, in my head... I know how the, the units are generally going to react. So, like, I could just, I can start the mission over and just do that first 30 minutes again. And maybe I, like, fix a couple of things, get a couple extra critical hits, and, like, do it a little cleaner. But generally, all I really need to do is get back to that moment and, like, move, mm. the, move the tile here and instead of there. There's a lot of downtime in contrast with something like Into the Breach. There's lots of moves where I'm just doing setup, where I'm just making a new mm -hmm. unit and moving them towards the bridge, but no one is fighting anyone. And unlike something like Battletech, which makes those moments feel cohesive to a general feeling of theme or theme of these big mechs slowly stomping across the field, or even something, there are other strategy games that do this where it feels like, okay, I'm getting my army in place, I'm getting ready to go. This just feels like, okay, it's a downturn. And I like, I just, can we get to the part where I need to be making smart decisions? Because right now, things are just slowly going and I'm just kind of ticking boxes. It, it often feels to me like some of the, the boring turns in something like Civilization, where I'm just like, uh, this is an upkeep turn. I'm not doing anything. Uh, I'll move these units three spaces. Uh, I wish this game had auto explore. Like, I wish it could just be like, start sending my people this way. Just, I know where they're going. I'm going to keep pumping out infantry units. Just, <laughs> just send set, them like, a waypoint. It's like, did, did, did. Yeah. I just need all of you to like head towards. Like, <laughs> yeah. Maps are small, but you can't, that stuff wouldn't quite work. But right. there are. Uh, but they're so the big early... that you will have downturns where nothing yes. is happening. So it's like you'll have like right... two or three turns where you're just doing prep work before you're going to make the big push. And then it's, it, then it's, it's really, I wish this game gave you one a mid mission save, mm. um, especially. Cause like there are, are oftentimes like this game is, I have found to be, I, I'm not a, a, a tactics expert by any means, but like I've beaten Fire Emblem games, I've beaten XCOM one and two. Like I, uh, you know, I, uh, like I, I'm competent enough to like play these games. And I found this game partially because the difference with this one relative to XCOM and Fire Emblem, my like uh, my main sort of experiences with modern tactical games 
is that this game has in-game resource management, right? Like, and I haven't dealt with that since I played Warcraft and Command and & Conquer and I made mammoth tanks and just sent them into the base and, you know, shit was over. <laughs> and so I'm often finding myself making all sorts of poor economic decisions because I'm just not used to thinking, well, what units should I be building based on how this map has changed? Because usually I've come in with my chess pieces and that's just it. I'm going to have to start over. Now I can make horrible decisions 25 minutes in that I don't realize were a bad decision until I've encountered what the enemy units are on the other side of the map. And I suddenly realize there's actually nothing I can do. The next 20 minutes is me just like slowly attritioning these units and then realizing I have to start over. Yeah. And that's really frustrating. Cause like the second time that happened, I like went on the Reddit thread and was like, Oh, they're making quality of life improvements and those patches coming in a week or two. Maybe I just put this game down and like come back and see if they address some of that stuff because I don't want to play another hour long mission and start over again. Like that's just, that's not even a parent thing. Like just like, that's just, especially given way other games have handled this into the breach spoiled me, but like just XCOM, I can save, right? Like they, they make it so that you know, it doesn't change the percentages when you load that save, but you can still go back. And there's probably a, a middle ground on a game that doesn't want you to be able to save after every move and find restrictions. And these right. missions are short enough that I feel like if you could have one quick save where it's like, yo, the tide is, this is where the mission really starts. And I could always return to that point. I would feel more confident in, in, in the missions I was playing. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to keep, keep, you know, poking away. But at I like it. it a lot. It's I like the moments where the missions do go, like I don't There's encounter those frustration points, yeah. man, it's, it's, it's a good one of those games. I, I think a lot of my uh, questions often come from the fact that I'm, just unfamiliar with Advance Wars. Like, I just didn't play... Advance Wars just went right past me. And so I think a lot of the, like, choke points I'm having in terms of, like, my mental model of how to play a mission is, like, that's why I want the, the mid-mission save point because it's, like, I just need more... I need more hits at this to understand, like, what I need to be doing differently. And starting that from scratch in a mission is is not a fun way to mm. do it. That last part you mentioned, though, really... Like, I was, I was into what I was hearing, and that last part really makes me sort of hit the brakes because... It reminds me so much of like my arc with Panzer General and its imitators where so much of those games is about sort of revealing what you're actually going to be dealing with in the mission and then replaying the knowledge with that for with with that understanding of what you're going to encounter, roughly where you're going to encounter it. And at that point, I don't know, it's it's sort of a model of a tactics game as puzzle where the pieces are hidden. And event like, and then you have to go back and retool what you're bringing into the mission to do it right, mm -hmm. uh, based on what you now know to expect. Um, and that has always kind of frustrated me, in part because it feels like such a such an unsatisfying way to get a challenge out of a tactics game, because so much of it is about well. Here you just didn't have the right counters, and so you were just bashing your head against the wall. And now you'll come back, and you'll basically fine tune your entire attack plan to do this, and you'll you'll go through it like a like a hot knife. Um, that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was well. My last experience with Texas was playing a game in which I can fully know everything about what I'm doing before yeah. I get into a fight. Right? Like, like, no, <laughs> like so. May, you know, partially maybe some re like you know, like recency bias over like, here's a game where like all the information in front of you, like there's no surprises here. It's just, you know, go do the thing. Um, and this game is built a little more on, you know, there's, a, you know, there's 
lots of fog of war. Um, and like, yeah. you know, one of the, yeah, like the true. dog units are like the units you're using to like put up on a mountain because they get additional, like, so the game, it's, that, that it is that type of game. Like, I don't think it's like, deceptive to that degree and it also does have i haven't unlocked it it actually has a straight up puzzle mode (laughs) so like there are like missions they've designed that are like built like yo these are the pieces and like just figure it out with the ones you've got and there's like a Um, there's like modes to create custom maps custom campaigns custom cutscenes. yes whole scripting uh, things whole huge things i haven't i haven't messed around with the multiplayer at all and i i've heard some people say the multiplayer is really good because the the pieces of the puzzle or you know the like, sort of like playing pieces are all very interesting and the maps for multiplayer are all really good not all but like i've heard good things and so there's a degree to which i feel like as long as that community is excited about it like i don't need to fucking love it but like i know the advanced wars community specifically has been long in wait for something to feel like what they loved because fire emblem isn't that like BattleTech isn't that xcom isn't that like i like all those games for different reasons but there was something different. Like the last Advance Wars I, I played was Path of Ruin, which was the the kind of post-apocalyptic yes. one. That was very good, despite a lot of people's objections to the tone, which was this like it gone. Advance Wars had traditionally been this very cartoony, bright and colorful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Path Path of Ruin, Path of Ruin, pa- Path of Ruin. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Path of Ruin uh, was like sepia-toned browns, like old, you know, dilapidated World War II bombers and a little bit more realistic in its depiction. It's still stylized. Days of Ruin. Days you remember, of Ruin. DS game, so. Well, no, that's, no, door. that's not even a DS. Hmm, okay. I was well, thinking of Portrait of Ruin, which was sure. the a, a Castlevania game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 Days of Ruin. That's uh, but I like, I love Days of Ruin, and I, and, I, and I do think that like the experience of playing that game did always feel a little more puzzle like even than something like Fire Emblem because in Fire Emblem I was always interested in raising up levels like you said and mm-hmm. and in, in eventually you would just be like I got this badass unit who can just tear, tear through this shit and I know my friends don't have that same character or at the same level or didn't equip the right weapon or didn't you know pair them off in the right way so blah 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 and like that felt really special and so like on one hand I feel like I may have just out not outgrown in the sense that I'm more mature than this model of game, but I've left behind my desire to play this specific type of tactics game. Um, uh, and this hasn't brought me back to it yet. But on the other hand, it, it seems like a good one of those for people who still want one of those. Yeah, I think Fire Emblem kind of ruined me for this type of game. Yeah. Like, I, I, or just even, X, like, I, I, I like having squads and, like, I like having carryover. Yeah. And the lack of that makes me so deep, it's hard to get invested in the the mission. It, like, I don't pl- like I don't play these games all that much for the tactics. Like, I I like the the rush I get from that. But as someone that isn't super wired that way and like hits like a pr- pretty like quick like sort of like mental ceiling on what they can accomplish. Like, there's something different I'm getting from it. And I do think a lot of that right. is rooted in the carryover. You know, you know, my dream game is XCOM three with relationships. Like, you know, like that's <laughs> yep, like I same. like Fire Emblem enough, but a fantasy is not my genre. Like it's sci fi horror, which is XCOM. And so like if, if XCOM got some dialogue wheels yeah. and some fucking, like that's my that that's my game. Finally. <laughs> dialogue wheel Come fucking. On. I'm here for it. You want that game? I do want that game. You know I want that game. We have, you know, 60 hours of, of us robbing <laughs> Waypoint playing. will just lay down and say, game of the year. Uh-huh. We're done. <laughs> We're talking to you, Firaxis. <laughs> Knock on our door. Fuck Axis. Fuck Axis. That's it. Now, yeah, you know what? Fuck the Axis well. powers. I agree. <laughs> um, anyway. 
I don't think it's that. I don't think that that's that controversial. The controller thing. option nobody asked for. Well, no, lots of people asked yeah. for. Just not me. anime out there. Uh, <laughs> you know, just, that's all. Just, side note: there's lots of anime out there. Uh, that people, is true. Have you been playing anything else? Can I get uh, any other any other game updates from folks this week? Um, I played some more Kingdom Hearts. How's that going? It's going great. Uh, we've got uh, a quick thing, quick note for people listening to Lore Reasons Kingdom Hearts. Uh, we've already recorded the next episode, so that means notes that you're sending us to get things right about <laughs> the Kingdom future. Hearts 2. What's the next one? Yeah. Next yeah. One is, oh, what we're doing we're next? Doing, no, Hearts what's two, the next yeah. one that releases? Uh, two. Two plus yeah. recoded, recoded? Yeah. yeah. We do talk about recoded. I know people were like, you have to actually spend time with recoded. And 358 over two days. We didn't do all those. 358's already out, right? Yeah. We did three. Out. But it's out already. That episode was Friday. I know it's a blur. Three, five, eight, over God, two is last time. I don't time. even know what time. It right? Is. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wow! <laughs> what just happened? Natalie is just, just Natalie just lost control of. I did. She's kind of blended into the into the time psychic is. space. Yeah. Um, the uh, hmm. corrections. Corrections. You don't need to send them. We're great. We're perfect. <laughs> we are not perfect. We did get your note, everyone, that we should go back to Union Cross. That some of that stuff is extremely important for <laughs> understanding some events in future games. Uh, and then other quick note, I was right about the Heartless and Nobodies. Thank you very much. What about what? Heartless. Don't go into okay. that now. Hold it. Hold it. Bring that to the top of the next podcast. I will. I'm just I had to say it here because I'm the host and I have that privilege. God damn it. Um, let's moving on. Rob, you play anything this week? Wait. Okay. Uh, yeah, a bunch of things. Um, I oh wait, sorry. Interesting... You actually had Kingdom Hearts three thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. Just well, to... You have too much power right now. I do. I've taken it. <laughs> also, thanks to all the people new... who sent in uh, corrections trying to prove Natalie was right about Phil Collins, and then the people <clears throat> who were actual musicologists who came in on our side. Natalie, how's Kingdom Hearts 3 going? Uh, I'm, I'm fine. You sure? We can just move on. Patrick, you been playing Kingdom Hearts 3? Yeah, man. What's with the world? Sele- I, don't, I, I don't know if we're in spo- you know, we can spoil it yet. We'll give it one more week, but... Man, world selection in Kingdom Hearts 3? Come on. Like I wish I knew which are... one I should go to. I'm just <laughs> like to have a good time. Disney's made a lot of interesting <laughs> worlds in like the last like five to ten oh, years. Like Zootopia, that's what you mean. That's Moana. What you mean. Yeah. I I'm see. just saying, like, the worlds you're going to is like Did you say Zootopia? What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Zootopia those are too world? recent. Yeah. Like, think about the new movies that they wasn't that just racism world with that animals? was what utopia was yes it was to teach kids about racism not mm, was it like to have mm. it to understand that some some species literally are just predators uh or, no it hmm? was to teach them that we <laughs> the, can, we, the movie has like a, a noble hmm? mission that it fumbles deeply yes there it is <laughs> yes. that is what i was going to say um, oh, so you're saying there is no Zootopia world in Kingdom Hearts? No, there's no, no Zootopia, no wow. Moana. No. They missed like, opportunity. <laughs> like, Moana is, like, probably the best Disney film ever made? Probably. I haven't probably. seen it, actually. What? What? Mo- oh, my. Mo- mm. I actually haven't seen it. Sorry. You need to go. I mean, you need to go watch Everyone's Moana. Everyone's really upset someone... around me. Rob, have you seen Moana? No. No, either. It's it's so good. Everyone is saying it's really good. Kato's saying it's really good. I can't listen. I can't listen anymore. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I meant to watch it. I really did. I cannot listen to this. I cannot listen to the sound. I was 
tearing up listening to the music at Disney on Ice two weeks ago. It is, oh, it's so it's just as good as like Little Mermaid, Lion King. I think it's better. I think Moana's the best movie that Disney's ever made. Come at me. Ever. Damn. Yeah. Names two films I don't really give a shit about. <laughs> I'm not even talking to you, Rob. What about? I'm talking to the audience. Are you not including Pixar? Toy Story 3 is like a real close second. Okay. okay. You haven't Toy seen Story, Story 1 and 2. 3. You nothing. said that you've not seen Toy Story 3. I have not seen Toy Story 3. You've not seen Toy Story 3? I haven't seen Toy Story 3. That's why. Oh, Toy Story 3 is it's just a legitimate. Not everything needs to be a trouble chain. <laughs> the first two movies There's a fourth are just one sort of throwaway. Toy Story 3 is an actual story. Is it better than Great Mouse Detective? <laughs> yes. See, stop the it. real questions. <laughs> I still really like Kingdom Hearts 3. I want to go back on what I said last week about the combat not being fun because guess eh. what? It's fun to me. Mm. I'm liking it sure. a lot and having a lot of fun with it. And this game is the only good thing in my life right now. Thanks. <laughs> wow. Um. Well, I hope more happens in your life. <laughs> in your life or in Kingdom Hearts 3? You know, both. You know what? Hunchback of Notre Dame got weirdly real, too. <laughs> They're about to remake that movie in live action? Nope. Mm. Don't Man. do it. Someone stop them. Oh. Hey, after See, I- that that horniness leading to ethnic cleansing is going to be way more disturbing uh-huh. in live action than it was in cartoon, and it was already bad in cartoon. Yikes. After I watched The Happening, I watched the opening of The Village because it was on Netflix, and do you remember Adrian Brody's character in that movie? Because I didn't. Isn't he? Is he not the lead? What's no, his, that's Hawking Phoenix. Adrian Brody plays oh. um, the the man with a disability. Oh, um, I didn't, I didn't remember. Do you go, dude. <laughs> that's yeah. It's mm. what you think in your head. Mm-hmm. The character is playing because you've just oh. ex- you've just removed it from your brain, like a like a normal person. I should. forgot. I forgot so much. It's so. <laughs> oh. Like, don't watch a clip. Don't. Wow. Just don't. So I got the visit from Netflix. <laughs> We're not. I'm selling the DVD plan because I need to see which Blu-rays are good mm-hmm. and which ones I'd actually want to buy. So I need to watch the visit. <laughs> it's an effective found footage film that also reveals that M Night Shyamalan has a fascination with making uh, the mentally ill his villains. <laughs> Love it. Sorry. Thanks, M Night. Um. In other games. Yeah, Rob. No, you don't have any. Oh. No, I was just trying to throw to anyone else. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> did you? Did you? Did you? Did you <laughs> it's okay. I will make oh a correction God. later today in the Kingdom Hearts uh, podcast. We're not recording that today. <laughs> That's tomorrow. That's Wednesday, That's actually. Wednesday. So, in stay tuned Wait, for my <laughs> official. I thought Serenity was today. No, you're right. Serenity is today. Okay. Stay. Serenity's this is why I'm the host. Please stay tuned for my official <laughs> statement regarding <laughs> Phil Collins, myself, and all my enemies. Thank you. Wow! <laughs> wow! All of them. Jeez. You know what I was thinking about the other day as I ordered copies of Manhunter and Thief from uh, Amazon. I was thinking about how angry it made me that Michael Mann replay like chose a different cover version of In the Air Tonight for the new Miami, well, not the new Miami Vice <laughs> anymore, but uh, the the Colin Farrell, uh, Jamie Foxx, Miami Vice. He chose a very bad cover of In the Air Tonight uh, to recreate like one of the iconic sequences of the Miami Vice TV show. It was a bad decision. 
it's like one of the biggest missteps of that movie. <laughs> that movie's all right. I liked that movie. The movie's great. It looks good. I haven't seen it in a long time. Rob, have you played video games? No. <laughs> well, video games. what are we doing here? What are we doing here? But I play tabletop games. Oh, oh hey. I play board games. I like those. Some of which are secretly video games. Wait. Oh. Tell me more. Yeah. So this weekend, I played a game called Chronicles of Crime. Okay. And it is a lot like Detective. Okay. I like Detective. In terms of like its theme and what it's trying to do, and down to the fact like it mixes uh, a board game with digital elements as well. Mm. The difference here is that Detective uses digital elements basically as a way to enhance theme, right? That in in when you play the board game Detective, uh, you log into the company's website, and a it can like parcel out information and. Uh, ask you questions in sort of and and in, inside the website uh, so that it doesn't spoil anything the way consulting detective kind of does. But then the most important part is you get like a fake detective interface, right? Like an FBI database interface in in detective. Chronicles of Crime takes that idea and runs much much further with it to the point where it becomes something that I do not think is actually a board game by the end. In, is like, that a good thing or I don't think so, but it is an interesting thing. So Chronicles of Crime, you are like a elite branch of you're you're a detective with Scotland Yard, and you go around solving these cases, and you have the same types of clues. So like you'll be drawing from the same clue deck every game. It's got like fifteen clue types. So you're just getting like, uh, and you're just getting like, this is a, this is forensic evidence. These are drugs. Right, a little more, a little more granular than that. Like, um, like papers oh, and mail, food, papers, uh, high tech equipment, footprints and traces, vehicles, blood and organs, right. liquids, bottles, medicine and drugs, and gardening tools. <laughs> that right. one's a little more specific. <laughs> so then you also have this deck of characters that you meet over the course of the campaign and everything has a QR code printed on it. Oh, wow. And you go into the game app, you go into the app for Chronicles of It's Chronicles. like an iOS or a, or a, like a Android Yeah, we app? played it like using our phones. Gotcha. So there's two things that this does. When you go to a crime scene, sometimes you're at a crime scene and you can search for clues. And then you have the option of doing phone VR or just using the phone as like a little like uh, an AR like view, window. View yeah. Yeah, and you are looking around a 360 view of a crime scene oh, wow. trying to identify That's clues. That's neat. Yeah, uh, and then what you can do, and this is where it stops being a tabletop game. Is it? Like, all the cards are laid out there just so people can sit around the table and look at what clues are available and, and what's out there in play. But the way you interact with everything is through these QR codes. And a lot of this game turns into trying to deduce the logic of the game designers as to which sequence of scans will change the game state and advance the story. Right. So a useful example here. You've got a guy that you suspect of committing a murder. You go there. He's at his house with his wife. You cannot talk to the wife while he's while he's there. He is so overbearing, and she is so like... 
uh, worried about, you know, there's a subtext where like he's he's an abusive spouse or at least just an asshole. So she just won't open up while he's around. There's nothing you can do at that interview site. Like everything you you can you can talk to him. You can't talk to her. But if you go back to Scotland Yard, you begin a conversation with the police chief by scanning his QR code. Then you take a picture of the asshole husband. You scan his QR code. You've just asked the police chief about the husband. And the police chief says, okay, I will call him in for questioning. And I can only keep him here for two hours. Uh, And that moves the asshole husband to the police station. And suddenly his wife is alone. And the game now knows that. The game is he now actually knows only there the for two hours changed. of like two turns or something? Yes. So are there every, fail states? Every move you make, every scan is a five minute tick of the clock. Oh, weird. Okay. Are there... F- so, yeah, can you, can you just like, ah, fuck, we hit a dead end. We didn't go talk yeah. to her. Exactly. You can do that. Like there's, there's ways to backtrack, but where it gets weird is... So I just laid out a sequence of events, but you can see the leap there, yeah. right? There's nothing. There's no action you can go. You you don't go to a menu and say, "Call husband in for questioning." Right. You have to make the leap that in conversation, every time you're talking to somebody, you scan these other cards or or scan these other characters. It means ask about this thing or mm. just have some right. interaction with this character regarding this other thing here is that the police chief will be like sure we'll call this guy in for questioning and that moves the guy out then you go back to his house by scanning that location qr code right and you talk to his wife by scanning her this QR seems code. like a lot of work it is so the, the app works really well sure. it seems like a lot of work it's actually really fast and and, and smooth at the same time it doesn't feel, you know, detective, you're constantly feeling like you're you're putting your heads together and thinking through the clues yeah. and like people got their notepads out and they're, there's tons of room for extrapolation of like what's happening in the story, what isn't being told to us. And detective also is really stingy with how much time you have to solve the case. This game is much more permissive. And so there's really not much penalty for just going around and just like examining and scanning every fucking thing. Like we did not run a particularly tight ship. And you still did all right. And it didn't feel like we were penalized significantly for that. Right. Um, and so the, and then the cases just aren't as intricate because what you don't have are what you have in detective old crime scene locations, right. pictures, sketches, uh, floor plans. What you have here are a bunch of QR codes. And then a common deck of resources and all the case-specific stuff is accessed through the QR codes in your phone. It's such a weird thing. And there are places where, as in the classic point-and-click adventure, the logic stops making sense. Yeah, that's really and frustrating. You, are, you, are, you have an idea of what you want to accomplish, and you just start that classic game of, okay, use this item on this person. Right. Nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> Until eventually something happens. Uh, it's an interesting game. I think it is... You can sort of see the thinking, right? It's it's this mixed digital and tabletop game. And I'm not sure there's anything inherently bad. Like, maybe if the plotting were better, if the cases were better written and a little more engaging. Sure. I only played one case. I, it, it was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't great. But at no point did I ever feel invested in the mystery the right. way I do in detective. 
And I don't know if that's just a product of weaker writing or if there's also something inherent about that way of interacting with the game, right? Is there something inherently alienating about that QR code scan followed by these little info dumps, followed by these little state changes in the, right. in the game world? Right. I'm, I'm, so I, this weekend I picked up uh, the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective expansion that includes, so Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is another one of these like detective board games. Uh, it's the one that I came to the, the subgenre to originally after, after it was recommended on an old Idle Thumbs uh, episode. It's a fantastic game. We did one case of it in our 72-hour launch stream. You can go look that up. We played with, um, uh, who was Colin from Noisy played with us. Aww. It was me, Colin, Danica... Mike Diver uh, and uh, Sam Barlow, who made um, her story. We felt like getting Sam in to do a detective game made sense after her story, uh, and it was great. And and the thing that the new uh, it's 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 a recollection and update to some old Sherlock Holmes consulting detective cases. But the the latest uh, collection is called Carlton House and Other Cases or something like that, and it has. Traditionally, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is like a map of Victorian London, and you're kind of picking places to go based on like numbers that are on the map, plus information that is given to you in like a, um, like a, uh, almost like a phone book where you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to go talk to this lawyer. And you go to like the solicitor and lawyer section in the back of the book, or you know, like, oh, this guy's name is, is uh, Martin Smith. So you go to the S section. This has, for the first time, instead of just the map of London, has a specific house, like almost like a clue style map of a specific manor. And I'm really curious how that will change the experience of that, especially after playing Detective, which I think is a better game. And the thing that I'll say about Detective and about Sherlock is I like them both as board games, whereas Rob um, uh, Chronicles of Crime feels like a thing that I could just play with a mouse and like on a screen and that yeah. might be fine. You know, um, I'm watching a Titanfall late, sorry, an Apex Legends lady heal someone that looked cool. Rely on your squad and you can be saved. Sorry, we just have this going. Over well, and that's and, and there great. wasn't relying on my squad in Chronicles of Crime. Mm, I see. Uh, nice. Like I felt like I could have been playing that right. alone. Right. I was watching someone on YouTube playing it by themselves, laid out on a, on a on a table with a phone, scanning one QR code after another, and that feels less like what I want to do with these games. It feels. It seems it's, hard to track. It seems like just going back and forth from like it. It. It seems like. You know, having everything right there in front of you, like tangibly, like on paper, would be an easier way to track your like way through the game mm. rather than like constantly referring back and forth. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly because there's when you play consulting detective or detective, inevitably people start revisiting old clues. Right. People sort of drift off and they follow their own train of thought and they sort of drop out of the game for a few minutes as they sort of begin working the problem. And this is a weird thing because there's nothing in the rules that inherently makes sure that's going to happen, right? That is all down to, did you successfully create a well-crafted mystery? Right, which is hard. That would engage people on that level. Yeah, yeah. Very hard. Uh, there's not, like, it's easy to make a detective story. It's hard to make a good mystery. And that's the trick. I'm not sure Chronicles of Crime pulls it off. Right, right. Well... I probably won't check it out unless you come back next week and say, oh, actually, this next case was so good that you should check it out, Austin. I already have so many other things in this subgenre to play at some point that, you know, I'll live. I'll live if I skip this one. 
any other remaining games? I you know what one quick thing that I touched uh, a little bit of is uh, a mobile game that I just wanted to shout out because I was it surprisingly doesn't feel too much like a mobile game in terms of its structure despite having a little bit of gotcha stuff in it uh, is uh, another another Eden which is a game designed by the one of the designers of or the designer of uh, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross and then also the music from the composer of the, those games. Oh wow. Um it is like a mobile JRPG uh that includes time travel. There's a, a frog knight right on the cover art. Mm-hmm. It's just uh-huh. it just looks like a Chrono Trigger game. Um Okay. It's a little slow to start um but it's just it's just a it's just an RPG. Like it has some. What's what? Do, I got a. I know. I Did you not up. see the cover art that I posted? No, you showed okay. it to me. You showed it. But it, it is me. just a JRPG. Frog. And it's just like it's just a mobile JRPG. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna be on a plane soon. I think I'm gonna play it on the plane a bunch and see. Or maybe I won't be able to. What's it called again? Another Eden. Another Eden. Mm. Um. It's I, I, how much I gotta pay once I get into this game. Nothing, as far as I can tell. Like you, oh, there okay. is there is some stuff where you can buy extra pulls on the gotcha or whatever. But like. The, all the main characters are apparently strong enough to just get through most of the content. Like you're not, it's not one of those games where it's like asking you to dump it a bunch of money. It seems like it just is. A, I burned on like the Fire Emblem one real quick yeah. because it was like, uh, to get any of the characters yes, that I'm remotely yes. interested in playing as I'm just going to have oh. to put in a time and, and you could do it without spending money. Yeah. I like lots of people to do it. It just required so much investment to get there that I was just like, uh, I'm out. I'll wait for <laughs> Fire Emblem on switch. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, this okay. See, see, it's just mm. the, it's just uh huh. Mm. Um, okay. I don't know, I don't, you know, maybe you have time for it. Maybe it's as a mobile game, it'll fit into your life. You know, maybe. I don't know. I think it might actually come to Switch eventually. Also, that seems like that seems like a, a likely thing. You know, like why not, right? So, so yeah, uh, just wanted to shout that out really quick. Uh, let's quickly take a dip in the question bucket, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, if you have questions, you can send them to gaming at vice.com. I know, I know that even uh, <coughs> even this last week, while people were uh, sending us, I was like reading some forums and stuff, people were still writing gaming advice, like advice, like what's some, game, oh. what's some advice for games? <laughs> so gaming at vice.com also uses this quick moment to say thank you to everybody who reached out last week during what was a rough week, uh, a rough Friday, especially here at Vice, as there were some layoffs. Uh, I'll, I'll say again up front, uh, I said this on Twitter, but like we were not touched by them, thankfully. Um, there's a bigger reorganization happening, and there's some like exciting stuff uh, around us working more closely with other parts of Vice coming up, but Waypoint isn't going anywhere. Waypoint isn't like the the name Waypoint, Waypoint Radio. None of that's going to change anytime soon. You know, Us working together to cover games isn't going to change. Um, <laughs> but, but a lot of great people here at Vice did lose their jobs, uh, and it fucking sucks, and I'm not happy about it. Um, uh, and I hope that they all find employment soon because they're all fantastic. Um, whether that's people here in, you know, who work with us in editorial, people who work in video teams, people who work all across the company are all great and like sad to see a lot of them go. Um, but I do want to, you know, uh, say thank you to those who reached out to us with, with positive, uh, you know, it was a very weird afternoon or weird day because it was one of those things where, I knew fairly quickly what our fate was, but I it's not a good thing to be like, hey, everybody, we're fine. We're cool. Hey, have, everybody else have a good day. Fuck off. Like, no, no. Um, and so we really wanted to focus on, and also who the fuck knows. Maybe it was wrong. Right? I was yeah. like, pretty sure we were going to be okay. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't certain. Um, and so it was really weird to see people basically think that the game was, or the game, <laughs> the site was, was gone. Gone. 
because of some bad reporting from a from another outlet. Um, it's a one. Just you know, always be a little suspicious when when you see stuff like that, and no one from the given site is responding in that way. Um, but two, I do just want to say thank you for those of you who reached out and gave us support and told us how much we meant. We, we, it did not fall on on uh, it, it, we heard it. You know, we really, really did. Um, so thank you for that. Now, some other stuff you sent in. In light of Serenity, this comes from Adam, you were allowed to change the ending of any film to It Was a Video Game the Whole Time. <laughs> what movie do you pick? Thank you, Adam. The Village? <laughs> that would be very funny. Hmm. Um, I mean, it would make it would make the latter half of that film yeah, better. Uh-huh. There'd be a double twist. Um, God, what do I want? To, hmm, we'll talk about Serenity later today. So, Go ahead. Yep. Brilliant move would be to release like a 20th anniversary or 20, however many years, but like 25th anniversary edition of Saving Private Ryan. Oh. Where now it's a video game at the end. Yeah. Where now, instead of the old man at the uh, Memorial Cemetery in Normandy, it's a kid on his computer yeah. about to sign into multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, Titanic. It's not an old lady with a gem staring at the edge of the water. It zooms out again past that to reveal that it is like a person playing a dating sim uh, where she's trying to decide. The player, it's Gita it's Jackson, Gita Jackson the Sims play, 4 yeah, yeah, yeah. with a bunch of fucked Tr- up mods. And trying to decide, do I want to date the cool like immigrant kid who is like an artist or do I want to stay with this rich guy? Like, what are my options? The captain, maybe? Maybe you could romance the captain. There are a lot of different paths. Uh, and they're doing layout changes in the bottom of the hall and just start a flood. Yeah, is that it's the... great? Uh huh. <laughs> totally. Um, there, it's it's that would be mine. That's a really good one. I'm very happy with it. <laughs> God, I don't I don't think I have a strong one. Honestly, I'm trying to think. Well, you think about it. If one comes to you in this next question, we can we can wrap back okay, around. Cool. Um, Dan in Chicago says. What's up, Dan? Yep. Happy happy Chicago friends. It's a swamp out there right now. It's like gross. Wait, is it? Why? Because the snow Because we got all this snow and right. now it's just rapidly melting and gross. Gross. It's gross. Back in July, I was let go from my job I'd been with for eight years. Clients had reorganized, leaving less in the budget for the experimental two years out work that I had been doing. I was able to fairly quickly become a contractor working from home. It's not what I wanted at this stage of my career, but it'll do. Since then, my relationship to home spaces has changed. The office where my computer is has become a workspace. Going there brings up feelings and anxieties. I can't bring myself to put any free time into that space. Over an extended Christmas break, that feeling came untethered, and I I popped nine hours into Battletech uh, in two days. So good, Austin and Rob. It's true. But work is back in full force. I tried and spent some time staring at Steam. I tried and spent some time staring at Steam. The will to use free time in the same space uh, as my work time is just not there. Luckily, I have I have a Switch and Valkyria Chronicles is a good anime game TM. You all spent work time and free time in front of computers. Not always the same computers, but computers nonetheless. How do you parse that in your mind? Best, Dan C. in Chicago. Thanks, Dan. I'm really curious for Rob and Patrick, for whom this view that I see of you is the view I see of you all the time. <laughs> Rob, Rob, Rob immediately started nodding his head to this entire letter. <laughs> so yeah, let's start with you, Rob. What do you? Is there? Do you have any techniques? Do you have any ways to? Well, I mean, what for are your one, life hacks? Um, you know, 
You have your TV just as an observation, because yeah. like how you set up your life feels like pretty critical. Like even like the physical space, yes. no, you're not like where wrong. You put things is critical to like thinking about this. And so, I see your TV. I see like is right behind. Is like is that your main TV? Because like often oh, yeah. like your relationship between the TV where you spend your free time and your computer where you spend your work time is like a critical component of thinking through. At least how I've thought through stuff like this in the past. Yeah. So there were some layout issues that imposed this arrangement on me. Like this was the best place to set up my computer and also i told myself when i set this up that like sure i want to play 4k games on the pc on the tv i will definitely do that i i don't do that (laughs) but (laughs) nevertheless it seemed like a good idea uh at the time and once or twice uh you know a year it, it it actually does work in my favor um but I haven't found a good solution to this. Like, I am not sure. I am not sure there is a version of this thing that is entirely healthy. Like, that's 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 my answer straight out of the gate. Is I think this is a weird way to work, and I think it's a weird way to live, and I think it's a a, a mode of uh, performing labor that is relatively recent, and we haven't really worked through all the ramifications, and we don't really have sets of like norms or expectations around this stuff. And so we're all trying to sort of grope our way forward on this. Meanwhile, because work is always on and everything can happen at a moment's notice, it is very hard to get that remove that you used to have from from leaving the office. I don't have great answers to this. Uh, my my solution to everything is more structure, to like to the point where that can be its own stressor and fault, though. But for me. I like things to unfold according to a schedule and sure. I want to have times when I'm in and it is expected that I will be in and people know that and we're going to be getting work done. And then, and this is the hard part. You need to have a time where you were all the way out and you both people both know not to like, not to hit you up for work stuff at that point, but also you need to give yourself permission to completely disengage. And that's actually the hard part. People will, res- will respect those boundaries, but how do you not open your email and just be, oh, I can take care of that. It'll take five minutes. And you don't realize that that's actually like messing with your headspace right. at all because mm-hmm. it's just it's just a quick email. Nevertheless, it is no longer that unstructured, completely unplugged time. I think this is honestly one reason why I've started doing so much more like cooking and baking lately. Sure. I need like... I have started doing a task that requires me to be in a completely different headspace in a different part of the house. That's that's where this ended up. After so you do that, do you feel I, like you can come back into this space? And yes. Okay. So there's like almost like a a ritual exit uh, of the workspace. There's actually like a, a process by which you're like, all right, downtime. Make a bread. Make a bread. Make a cake. <laughs> You make all sorts of things. Uh, Let's make that bread. Stop <laughs> eating. Are you making bread, though? Because the stuff I saw you sharing on Twitter that you were doing research on this weekend seemed like there was more in the pastry direction. I make bread and pastries, and I cook. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... A renaissance man. Damn, get you a Rob Zagney. You're right? You're trying to have hey, here's, the que- here's the question. Did you go with the uh, function or aesthetic? Because this seemed like this was the... Mm. You were between mm. two different options... <laughs> So we're still working through that exact <laughs> issue. Because the, 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 the thing is, for those who don't know what, what Patrick's talking about, I need, yes, need, uh, a cake decorating turntable. Why do you I need that, that, you ask? Well, 
to evenly and smoothly mm. apply a layer of frosting to a cake, uh, you actually do need the ability to just make that cake rotate. Like trying to do it by hand on a cake that is stationary is nightmarishly difficult because you can't you can't like move your arm in a perfect circle very easily to get that. Like maybe if you're like a master at this, right. but anyone who does this, they also have a cake turntable. So I need one now uh, because I want to have pretty cakes that look fancy. Um, Austin, I was already thinking about like when Urban Warfare comes out, I might celebrate that with a federated wow. Commonwealth uh, logo on a cake. Wow. I think that'd be, that'd really, be good. really good. That'd be really good. But the thing is, there's lots of different types of cake turntable and some tilt and some don't. Mm. And some look like child's play set like bright colors and plastic some look like brushed steel and like deep rich reds and i'm more the brushed steel and deep rich red uh type but this thing's gonna live in a pantry so who gives a shit i don't know i just don't know what a conundrum <sighs> one day i uh so my office is in i have an office room is that's downstairs we have a, a split level house and i shut the door on friday at 5 30 when i go to pick up my kid and i don't come back in this room it for it's both functional because there's stuff that's most of our house is separating the things that are breakable are put away so that my daughter can be left to her own devices and we won't hear a crash on something that will upset us this room is not set up that way so partially it's shut so that she doesn't come in here and rip apart the computer and, and sure stuff. but um uh but like psychologically it is done because i am just done with that room when the work day is over like i am i spent so much time in my house and especially the time when i spent with my kid and like i just can't deal with this room after that and so that's why like i have a steam link so i my pc i can still access it i can still play games off of it they just go into the other room where i have my nice couch and the projector, and it's like, that's where I interface with the PC. I, like, get, like, irritated when, like, Steam has crashed, and I need to, like, go in there and, like, reboot it and, like, get it to the Steam link. I'll actually, like, start talking to it again because <laughs> this is just, like, I just don't, I just, I literally shut the door on, the, on, on this room as a way of, like, separating. I'm fortunate enough to have a house, so I can, like, put that separation, but I've also worked from home for so long now, and I hate it. It sucks. Like, in no world, like, Am I going to, like, there is so much convenience of working from home, but, like, psychologically, it's torture. Like, I don't like it. It is only something I do because this is where I have found myself in my life and career, and it, like, makes the most sense for all sorts of practical reasons. But, like, I, I used to work part-time out of an office, and I paid a little bit of money for that in Chicago. I miss that. I can't do that practically anymore because it required me to <laughs> vainly go down to the city just so I could go yeah. sit in an office for a couple of hours when... I'm the one that is responsible for picking up my daughter if she gets sick at school and stuff like that. I just can't do that. It is it is it would be irresponsible, even though it is for my psychological well being. I just have to find ways to complement that and deal with that in other ways. Part of that shutting the door. Uh, other ways is like, you know, one of the things Rob, I'm sure you deal with is like we end up overworking because we don't have like mild things that interrupt our day because you work in an office, like getting conversations with people talking yeah. to humans like those things just don't happen like you lose minutes in a day that aren't like working but those are like minutes where your brain gets a, 
a break. Like you, you get to do something other than just like, I need to like find something important to say in these 1800 words that I don't have anything right now. Um, that made me feel like like we didn't, I I don't work from home. I didn't, we do one prep day a week. uh, Most of us from home where we do like, we play some games or watch the stuff we need to watch for be good. Rewatch it or waypoints. But last year, no, two years ago. Now there Mm -hmm. was this, this time when we were doing lots of game streaming where we were working from home twice a week because we didn't have studio space on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And those days were the worst for me because I was overworking the way you're talking about, Patrick, where it was just like, I'm not going to lunch until 3 p.m. Like, it became like a, it became like an in-joke almost. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get lunch. It would be like 3.30. And people were like, what do you, like, what, no. Um, That's early but, dinner. That's not no, a lunch. The other thing that happened is, despite the fact that I was working a lot from home, it, I would end my day and not feel like I got anything done because I was only in my home. I felt like, yep. oh, what did I do? I just kind of kicked around. Like, no, Austin, you edited three pieces and you streamed XCOM for an hour and a half in the morning. We got a, a chicken dinner or whatever. <laughs> we did not get a chicken dinner. That's, that's, that is that's uh, is me Once. rewriting history. Not from home, though. Um, nope. uh, and so I would end the day or it would be I'd get to 630, which is like my clock out time. I'd be like, well, I'm in the middle of this thing. I'll keep going until 7.30, 8.30. It's so easy to let yourself go because you set a soft out for yourself. Because, like, you're not looking around an office and realizing, oh, I'm the last person here. I should go home. <laughs> you're already the last person there. You know, you're already, this is yep. where I am. So setting those hard, those hard, real outs. And and I love, you know, both of your answers in terms of transforming the space either by closing the door or leaving the space when it's time to go. Both of those things, I think, help a lot. Help me a lot. Specifically. I also go to Starbucks a couple of times a week. There's one not too yeah. far down the house. And, like, especially in the winter. Like, I don't have seasonal disaffective disorder. But when it gets dark at 4 o'clock, like, I can just feel the energy draining mm-hmm. from me in order to, like, do anything meaningful. And especially, like, it's nice. Like, right now, like, I, I, I get a lot of sunlight that comes into my office. And it's cool. And so then when it all goes away and it's like, I have like another two hours and like, I really need to like be working on this piece and like putting like a lot of energy into figuring out like these last 400 words, like starting in like the late fall, like early winter, like I try and remind myself, like, I know, like, so I don't like spending money. And so like, it irritates me to like go down the street to go spend money on coffee that like I could just make upstairs, but like I need to fight that impulse because like, I know psychologically it is worth, I get more done if I get out of the house Go overpay for that. Right. Coffee You're renting space and, in a sense. You're renting a table. Is yeah. what that yes. coffee is. Yes, that's so that's what I flipped it to. Is like I'm I'm paying for coffee, but really what I'm doing is I'm paying a lot. Like instead of getting the office, it's like I'm paying to like rent a table that I'm going to be at for two and a half hours before I go pick up my daughter. And at the very least, I'm around other people. I'm incidentally like just literally being around other people. I find like to be Same. psychologically huge important. Yeah. Um, I feel drained if I am not uh around and like you know contrast that with like. Um, I think Rob's in the same boat where like both in long-term relationships were like significant and others they do leave the house to go to their thing to, to their jobs and when they come back like very naturally don't want to leave or it's like my instinct is always like we should like go to dinner we should just go get a drink somewhere we right. should do something and they're like no <laughs> like the opposite and so trying to find a balance where I do that on my own during a work day um, I've actually been bad about it recently. I've not gone in like a month and a half. Um, but the uh, trick I use I'm there is get, always get the back like, on that train before you, before you get here, we go, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. We'll meet at the place. That way you don't, that way they don't have the chance to get home. So that's, be, that's when I pick my wife up from the train, right. there's a couple of spots around there that I can safely bring my daughter to run around in. It's like, we'll go there. 
and so at least I get like I'll get a beer in forty right. minutes. Uh, uh, we'll get some snack for her, and it's like okay, I've at least gotten out of the house for a little bit. Now we can go back and move into the ritual phase of I'm gonna cook dinner, get our daughter ready for bed, blah blah blah. Yeah. The thing that like kind of scared the hell out of me though was like oh because I took a long break this holiday, didn't go home, like just was at home, and what was kind of worrying is how just good that was. Like I got a great job, I'm happy, but at the same time, like three weeks of unstructured time, I was stunned at the degree to which things I view as like problems or like issues. With like, man, I don't know. I'm just home life can be stressful. I don't know how I feel about this. Three weeks away, I'm like, I don't know. Things are great. <laughs> like I'm, I'm I'm doing fantastic. Like I got all the time in the world to like go to the gym, take walks. It's it's perfect. <laughs> Not uh, take down this Christmas tree. Well, we started. We started. I was gonna say, was was it my? Did my eyes deceive me, or did the 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 you've taken down the things at least the off decorations? The, yeah, it's stripped. Gone. It just okay. needs to be gotten out of here for like I can't. Like, there's no point in moving it until it it is formally being picked up and taken away. Mm. Uh, Are you still watering it? Well, we tried, but it's no longer drinking. Ah, okay. Uh, um, lead a, lead a yeah. So when you, pick, when you pick that big boy up, he is going to he is going to shed. You might want to think about trying to put a garbage if you bag flick over a branch, the top of it. it will just like shear off. Rob, here I have a suggestion. Uh, you have a window yeah. behind that tree. <laughs> that is a twelve-story drop. Just go down there and that be like, ex- "All right, clear out." Austin, there is a school nearby. <laughs> there are kids cutting through Wait that alley. Wait till nighttime. They'll be asleep. Just <laughs> you know, shit. <laughs> Don't do this. This is not. I'm not an expert. Twelve stories. That's high. That's high. Who would even know? You'd have to have someone to think the danger. You'd have is, to have someone down. I mean, at that point, they're dead. At that point, you've killed someone for sure. Uh, the wind will carry it further than you imagine, and there will be allowed. It'll or it move faster. Some car that's right. parked out there, yes. right? Like, Argh. yeah. Oh, damn. Could I? Who could say what that was? <laughs> God. Oh, all right, Rob. I have one question for you because you did not get a chance to answer this very good question. This comes in or came in. Uh, we answered it already. Not that one. That's that's a different one. Where the hell did it go? There it is from Zaruba. Oh yes, this is great. Who says a new sandwich shop opens up down the street? You enter it to see what the place's deal is. You look up at the menu. You see a sandwich named after you. What's on it? Not having the Rob really fucked me up last week. It just Same. was like, I want to know. Same. I want to know what to do. Kato, did you also not answer this? I did. Okay. Hmm. I can. Yeah. Do you have, you have your answer ready to go? Yeah. Kato's ready to go. Just right, let's myself. hear from Kato. Hi, everyone. Hi, Kato. Hi. Uh, mine's... Uh... <coughs> so it's roast beef. Yum. Onions, tomato cream cheese on an everything bagel. Say that one more time. I have to, I have to Wait, I need to process that yeah. again. Hold on. <laughs> roast beef. Roast beef. Hmm? No, no, start with the start with the start with the bagels. Now bagel. you, Let's go every top bagel. to bottom. Yeah, top bagel. to bottom or bottom to top? I guess. Just Either go bottom way. to top. Just outside to inside. Yes. Everything bagel. Cream cheese. So you so you're cream cheesing the bagel. Yeah. That's the important thing. I want to make sure you're not cream cheesing the roast beef. No. Okay. I mean, the roast beef comes into contact with... No, the I, I understand, <laughs> but you're not putting another roast beef and then putting a layer of cream cheese on top of it somehow. No, no, no. Okay. Bagel, cream cheese. Toasted bagel? Yes. Everything toasted bagel. Everything toasted bagel. Okay. Cream cheese. Yeah. Roast beef. Roast beef. Onion, tomato. Huh. Hmm. You can have it for breakfast or lunch. 
I I love that you have such a specific uh, uh, sandwich ready. The the thing is, is it's a thing that I've had that in one place that. So there was this place next to my college that opened up, and it was like people two years ahead of me like left and then opened the sandwich shop like mm. next door to the college. Uh, so I was in there early before they had really names for anything, um, and I was like, I love oh, this sandwich. Shit. It's the no, it, it was it didn't go there, but it was still like I was the first one to try it. They were like, I'm trying this new thing out here, and I was like, I fucking love this. So they should have named it. After they me. should have. What but was it called? It was just called the. All of, it was the Bolton because that was a street mm. nearby. Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll call it the Cotto. <laughs> Definitely call it the Cotto. Rob, I mean, I'm a man of simple taste. Oh my god. Uh, so we, my sandwich is just <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Sabata, aioli, <laughs> olive tapenade, sun dried tomatoes, hamon iberico. Hmm. Do you make the sandwich yourself? Do you, do you have it somewhere? Have you made the bread? <laughs> uh, no, that's the... I do not have... Like, I have not mastered... I made it once kind of by accident because I was trying... <laughs> like, I made this incredible... So here's the thing. Uh, okay. Accidental bread doesn't sound like the kind of bread no, I want to put no, in my body. Okay, everyone... So Stand Mixer performs a lot of labor for you that the baker normally has to do themselves. What nobody prepares you for is that also it changes the way the bread develops completely. Like, you can do the same recipe, and if you're turning it by hand, you would end up with something completely different than if you just dump it all into a stand mixer and have that stand mixer go. Mm. Like, mm. it just comes together completely differently. Yeah, it's like the sure. way that the air pockets formulate inside and, and stuff like that, right? And it's like, as you play with it, the yeast, like, is more activated and shit, right? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, like, working the bread will change That's the That's what I've learned from Great British um, Bake Off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, like, there's overneeding, and that changes how the gluten is developing mm-hmm. and et cetera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, the first or second time I was trying to make bread in my new stand mixer, nothing was working the way I was used to it working. I was trying to make baguettes. It just wasn't happening. Um and so I kept adding flour till the dough started to like become drier and look more like the baguette dough I was used to working with, uh, because I was a coward and I didn't I, I didn't I didn't know how to embrace uh, a wet shaggier dough. Uh, but then because it was so dry, I was like, shit, this is really dry. So I let it rise in a bowl with a lot of olive oil on it. But then it didn't really rise that much anyway, and it just got like really kind of like olive oil waterlogged mm. and it was kind of weird and I was like this is all fucked up and I was like this is a disaster I just need to bake this and see what happens and what emerged was not sabata but something like sabata adjacent and it was glorious it was one of the greatest like bread products I have ever created and I have no idea like every step was a fuck up there is no like I cannot recreate this because it was like the, this this blessed loaf of bread that was generated by a series of amateur mistakes with a stand mixer. And then like a desperate, like hurl of some olive oil at a wad of like clay. Rob, I have to ask you something. Yeah. And I think the reason, the only reason I'm asking it is because I'm, I've gotten the courage to ask you this because you have the sort Mm -hmm. of brilliance and presence that makes me go, was I the one who was wrong? The confidence. The confidence. 
that Rob has. Yes. To say ciabatta bread. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's ciabatta bread. Right? Sure. Okay. okay. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure I don't know that I'm the one who doesn't know. I'm not shit. Italian. Nor am I. Yeah, I don't. I don't fucking. Is know. it Italian? It's Italian. It means ciabatta bread is Italian. Well, it means slipper. you. People at the deli are going to correct you if you say like, "Oh yeah, put it on ciabatta." Everyone's going, "Excuse me, sir." <laughs> sir, excuse me. Uh, I don't want you to be held back in your class mobility, as David Brooks warned us, by your lack of familiarity with the correct pronunciation um, of this bread. No, they're going to uh, give you the fucking ciabatta bread. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Sorry. Sorry. Listen, I care. That wasn't about, a you know, dig. It was not a dig. It genuinely was, no, was me fine. and Natalie looking at each other like. Are we fucking raw about? Fooled. Are we all fucking like we don't know from breads? This we guy don't know makes about breads. Bread. I don't know about breads. I Rob? had bread the other day. It was good. The only person I trust would be Rob about bread. Right, Rob is no. See, I read more than I hear. Uh, mm. Yeah, same, big same. Mm. Oh, also, I I ordered a. Uh, there is an emergency delivery of an Austrian pastry cookbook coming in later this emergency? week because. Um, yeah, I was that like, like a, I just need a higher tier on Amazon Prime. It's like I need this now. <laughs> God, when are you gonna FedEx us some yummy pastries? As soon as I can figure out how to transport ship it, so it doesn't get fucked up. That's right. That's the thing. You just need is to like I could get stuff in book a box. your time in the Munchies Kitchen. Mm, good. Cost, is that still if we did, if we did another li- live stream? <laughs> if we do another live stream, there should be. A cooking oh, house. Yeah, baking with Rob. Yeah. Yeah, Please. absolutely. Our, I want it. I want it just, that should be a cutaway. We yeah. should just have a whole segment What's Rob running. doing What's in Rob? the kitchen? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, make lots of downtime. If you have a stream set up, I can just like pop in, like deal with some stuff in the kitchen. Then we can come back and play some games. What would W-W-R-D-I-T-K? What would Rob do in the kitchen? <laughs> That's how I live my life. Seamless. <laughs> yeah. I love how memorable it is. W-W-R-D-I-T-K. I-T-K. <laughs> Six months from now, uh, Rob, we actually need you to do a weekly show with Action Bronson. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is now a condition. It could happen. Moment. It could happen. You never know. You never know. You never know. We sh- <laughs> the world of media is, is strange. How do you feel about tribal tattoos? <laughs> oh, no. On that note, I think we are done for today's waypoint. Let's ask Liam Neeson. Let's not no. ask Liam Neeson any- I, anything ever again, oh, in my opinion. I feel like we need Keen Peel to get back together to do a follow up on there. Oh, many. I didn't even think it was of the that. first thing I thought of was like, yo, we yep. need a check in immediately. People should look up what Liam Neeson said. Liam Neeson. <laughs> I did their bit. I've got I a lynching to get to. I, like, uh, <laughs> you have to go read what that motherfucker said. Because, yikes. He's a racist piece of shit. Yikes. I'm going to say, that on that note, <laughs> we are going to end. I'm going to go eat. Sorry. I'm going to go have a nice sandwich <laughs> on some ciabatta bread, maybe. And then we're going to talk about. Or ciabatta. Or ciabatta. Ciabatta. Can we just start pushing Hey, uh, ciabatta. It's like, see you later. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. See about a car later. I gotta, yeah, I gotta, I gotta see about a car. So that's exactly it. Yeah, that's it. <gasps> see about a bread. <laughs> uh, see about a you and getting your words right. Um, we're gonna go eat lunch, and then uh, this group of people, or some of us, are gonna get back together and talk about Serenity. Patrick, you didn't watch Serenity, did you? No, God no. Dodge that bullet. Bless you. Honestly, I think you missed out. <laughs>
on, on, on a... I'm gonna watch it when it comes out on <coughs> right when they send you the the, on the, the screen... airplane movie <laughs> when they send you the screener because of all the Academy Awards it'll be up for and they want your absolutely yeah, of course I'm Austin Walker uh, joining me again was Natalie Watson Patrick Klepek Rob Zachney Kato you know where all those people exist on the internet you know where to find us twitter.com slash waypoint everywhere else thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track miss you off the EP pale machine Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. And one more time, you can send questions to gaming at vice.com. Send us big questions. Send us small questions. I like these bread questions. Ask us questions about baking. Ask us questions about cars. Ask us questions about anything. 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 I want more goofy questions, always. They're really fun. Uh, Is he a cow? I thought of a movie. What's your movie that you'd write to be a video game? Um, Only because I think it would... (laughs) Well, not to be a video game, but the twist is it's a video game. I think it would really complicate the discourse around it is The Revenant, I decided. <laughs> <laughs> that it's just a survival wow. game. Yeah. Sure, it's just, it's just a That's shitty a rock hit. star survival game. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a fucking uh, just Red Dead rede- like a, yeah, Redemption Red mission. Dead, yeah. God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's uh-huh. mine. I'm in. Good answer. You Thank you. Use that time wisely. Yeah. Thank you nice very work. much. Nice it work. took a while to get there. Uh, yeah, sometimes the best things do. My first instinct was Chronicles of Narnia, so I'm glad I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. Wait, do they go into the cab? Is that the cabinet? They go into the cabinet. That's the the mm-hmm. lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Wardrobe, not a cabinet. Cabinets yeah. are smaller than wardrobes. <laughs> True. All right, everyone, fucking just clink, open up the thing, hop in. J.K. Rowling <laughs> reveals it was actually a cabinet. No. Oh, wow. Wow. She's like reaching out into other people's universes now. <laughs> J.K. Rowling makes a tweet about the alien universe. <laughs> Jesus. All right. I think we really have slept on how bad the Cormoran Strike novels are, just putting that out there. Like, they are troubling. I'm unfamiliar with this. Wait, is this her? That's J.K. Rowling's mystery This series. is the pen, the, the ro- oh, Robert. Oh, the pen name after it's Potter. Robert Galbraith. Yeah. yeah. I've, yeah, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard they're trash. They're you know, the thing is, like, they're not fully trash because she's a good writer yeah. in a lot of respects. But the, like, the not-so-disguised bigotry that pops up in a lot of places right. in these books is, like, deeply fucking concerning. And then the way, like, she tends to counter for that is, like, oh, man, no, like, look, mixed-race people are so beautiful and attractive and exotic. I'm no. not racist. Like, literally, that, like, that comes up, like, two, three times in the first oh. book out of the gate. Uh, and, like... There is sort of a bitter resentment that comes through, like, a lot of these books about, you know, uh, woke liberals criticizing her work. Or, like, sure. literary critics not respecting it. Uh, there's, like, a, there's an entire mystery about, like, literary types brutally murdering each other uh, because they're all shitty people. I gotta go. Yeah, I'm gonna go get... <laughs> lunch and then we're gonna talk about serenity which you which you'll be able to find over in the be good rewatch it feed which if you haven't listened to yet those have been really fun podcasts like uh, i'll say this was like one of those things where it sounds goofy but like just come listen to us talk about podcasts and get distracted by other talk shit. about movies we're talking about when i say podcasts <laughs> i need to go eat food today i have not eaten yet uh yeah, po- talk about I said podcasts again. Movies. <laughs> talk, come listen to us talk about Stop movies. Stop it. Just cut them off. Get them we're out of here. We're gonna talk about movies. Come listen to it. It's a different feed. Uh and and honestly, if while you're doing that, give us a review here, give us a review on Be Good, Rewatch It. Be good and rewatch it is the full name of that podcast title, yes. right? Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there eventually. It's like SNL. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I can't we cannot just do a podcast 
about Twitter. We cannot. That's what I've been pitching from the start. God. All right, that's going to do it for us. We will catch you all through the week with other podcasts. Someone say a thing. Bye. Sorry. That's not what I meant. Oh. Wait, did everyone in those Bud Light oh, peace, like, medieval bye, commercials get bye, fucking murdered bye, by a dragon? Bye. I'm leaving. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. <laughs> Those Bud Light commercials, I was like, wait, is this Dark Souls, but the... The knight is the fucking Bud Light champion, and then the fucking reveal at the end being that it was a Game of Thrones commercial. Did they do a dilly dilly crossover Game of Thrones thing? Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. I can't believe. Yeah. No. The mountain fucking up with like crushed the dilly dilly shit. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. They've been running for years now, and I always thought like this will pass. It's so weird. Austin, I think they've run for a year. I think you're. There's no way they've. I think that campaign literally started with the football season. No, 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 no. no. They were running last year for sure. Dilly Dilly absolutely was last year. For sure. Like, but where did Dilly Dilly come from? I'm it's finding out. From a bed, from a bud light commercial. Yeah. Uh, See, this is. It launched in August 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's been it's been a year and a half, basically. Great. Yeah. Anyway. Presumably that was the end of the campaign because everyone died. Yes. Oh, was there like a red wedding type thing? There was a joust and then, or maybe it wasn't a joust, but it, no, it, was, a joust. it was a joust. And then the Bud Light Knight, I can't w- believe I'm saying that, the Bud Knight um, <laughs> fought the mountain and the mountain crushed his head. And then a dragon came, and then it was like Game of Thrones, the throne is coming, or whatever. And I just. That's not. It was a better twist than any fucking M. Night Shyamalan movie I've seen, though. So honestly, whatever. (laughs) And that's saying a lot, I think. Bud Light, Bud Light Marketing Vice President Andy Goler said that the campaign had attracted 100,000 searches per week on Google and about 45,000 per week on YouTube and thinks it may be the next was up phrase. What is the was up phrase? Oh, wait, what? You're so young. Can you bring are you, it up? Are you, Can you yeah, bring it up? yep. Please. I got it. Wait, is it like was up? Yeah, yeah, have you yeah, seen those yeah. ads? Yeah, yes. You, got it. you know it. Was up. Yeah, I've seen it in the office. I think that oh. fuck. <laughs> The real genius of these commercials is like Bud Light creates this God idea of like, it. yeah, you have your drinking buddies that you totally ha- hang out with a lot as adult people and you have your, your inside jokes. You absolutely still have that. Have a Bud Light. It's what ties you together. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Am I right, guys? <laughs>
Was Am I that? right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my bros, dilly dilly with dilly, just love to dilly dilly with my bros. What's better than this? <laughs> What's better than this? Just Time some bros years. dilly dillying. Yep, just just some bros dilly dillying. <laughs> What's better than this? Yeah. What's better than this? Hey, hey. All right. What's up? I hate this. God damn it. I'm gonna go eat a sandwich or some tacos. Same. That sounds good. Goodbye. All right, see you at a couple minutes after. I don't know why I did the Zodiac voice back. goodbye. That's really dark. What? Uh, the guy at the beginning of Zodiac, Never the movie Zodiac. It. You should see Zodiac. Zodiac's great. Zodiac's great. He, when he calls the police to be like, I killed some people, he ends by going, goodbye. And I just, <laughs> what if I just start doing that at the end of every podcast? Would that be? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man, be good to rewatch Zodiac would be fucking, Fincher in general would be good. That's a good one. All right, I'm going to go. Bye. I take off my headphones. So I can't right. do jokes anymore. Bye. <laughs> no, it's, it is World Reads Liam Neeson to interview yeah, today. <laughs> I just. You read the quote? Have you read it? No, I haven't read you it. Have, you, you, you have to. You have It sucks. Woo. Talk to a therapist, my buddy. <laughs> I can't believe he said that in a fucking interview. Was like, and not even like a, you know, lots of times actors have like, I have a big thing to say. I've like set up this interview where like, you know, they're for whatever. Uh-huh. This this was just like, shit, An you know anecdote. what happened? You know, like a thing I did once. He's like, I Riddle can't believe I'm telling this to a reporter. <laughs> yeah. And his like his co his his um, um co-star is like, co-star just, uh, like just turns like is quoting the article is turning and just going, holy shit. Wait, this was a group interview? Yeah. Yep. This wasn't like a Liam Neeson profile, like deep dive, like I'm gonna reveal something like, to a hey, journalist a that I trust. Out. <laughs> All that said, so they're 42. Yeah. That was good. That was a good clap. Got to make sure I was actually recording. <laughs> Is today a warm day for y'all too? Uh, yeah, yeah, forty-four. I it's, can mel- it's melted I... most of the snow. Nice. Yeah, yeah like you can like see yesterday. It was nice. A haze coming off the entire valley because uh, of all the melting snow. Uh, I thought it was because the fireworks. There's just still smoke. God. Oh, uh, we'll talk about it. Hey, it's fifty-two, and it's going to be fifty-seven today. Hell yeah. Or go to the beach. That's a beach day. I thought that. I was like, I should take advantage of this nice weather and like go to the beach or something. I was like, the beach is going to be cold too. What am I talking about? Yeah, it'll be colder. All right, ready? <laughs>